Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Creation alongside, as always, King of Banter, the Kentakobashi of Sex, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? Sup? <laughs> Not too much. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing quite well. I uh, I have a life, and that's good. You are a man without a life, though. Hashtag without life. Um, so, you know, I do look down upon you, but I am man uh, hashtag with a life. So uh, I'm doing pretty well over here. <laughs> ah, Peter Rosenberg. <laughs> that was just when we say like you know and now we're making money so it's it's cool like we but we always used to like for six years it was like the ah oh, jesus like i can't believe that guy's making money like talking about wrestling and we're not or whatever so now we are so i feel a little you know not quite as bad patreon.com slash voice wrestling by the way but um Support our sponsors as well exactly yeah great sponsors we'll talk about two of them today's ZipRecruiter and SeatGeek. but um yeah it still is just like Dude, and for people that didn't see a little bit of a background uh, about this, Peter Rosenberg, the uh, great, uh, horrible, I, I, what is he, a talking head on the pre-show? What would you even call what he does on the pre-show? Well, he hosted that terrible W Network show, too. Is that thing done? He was on Bring It to the Table, right? Yeah, Bring It. He was the moderator on for Bring uh, It to the bring Table. To yeah, the table. which you know led to a lot of good stuff, including JPL, you know, bullying Marwan Allen into quitting and uh, other you know fine things like that. But uh, so he was, they don't do Bring It to the Table anymore, do they? Like I don't no, know. It's it canceled. Yeah, it's okay, can- that's that's probably it's that's probably for the best. But uh, and then he does occasional talking head things when Sam Roberts can't show up. They they'll get Rosenberg to do the the pre-show talking head thing. So he he tweeted out a little bit earlier because obviously coming into NXT, and we'll talk about this probably a little bit later. War Machine. Um, uh, Peter Rosenberg did not know that War Machine was a tag team and thought that War Machine, did he think that this was the same War Machine, like the former MMA fighter that's definitely in jail, War Machine, or did he think it was a guy that wrestles under the name War Machine? I wasn't quite sure if uh, if I ever caught on on exactly what plane of he, he, he was on at that point. I think he thinks it's some guy that wrestles as under Got the it. moniker of okay. War Machine. I, I think that because if he was privy, if he was had knowledge of the MMA fighter slash porn star slash you know asshole who beat the shit out of his girlfriend who's in prison. He would also have knowledge that that guy's in prison, right? And he would have to know that. <laughs> not only that, I, I, uh, he's Peter Rosenberg. I don't know, but whether the man was locked up or not, he would have to understand that WWE would never <laughs> find not him. hire him. Yes. So, so just you know, by using those clues, I'd have to think that he just thought that he read some headline. Um, I don't know, probably on Raja.com or something that that <laughs> Trevor Ricochet our, man. Uh, WrestlingNews.co. Yeah, maybe WrestlingNews.co. He wrestled. He, he read it on you. WrestleZone or something of that like. He he. Pro- I mean, he probably saw that Trevor Ricochet man and and 
Candice LeRae and, and War Machine reported to the Performance Center, and he probably thought that War Machine was just some guy. So, and then pontificated that surely this man will have to change his name. Um, probably due to the link to the, uh, you know, woman beating asshole who's in prison. I, I That's my interpretation of it. Um, but then again, I'm not sure he'd be have knowledge of the <laughs> MMA guy. I, I maybe he just thought it was it's an offensive name or something. I I don't know, but it's like yeah, it's kind of frustrating that someone like that, you know, does do a very high profile wrestling podcast that probably does I don't know. 50 times the listens of this one or whatever. I, I, I don't even know where to begin because the fact of the matter is nobody knows how many people are listening to any of these podcasts. Okay. And don't let anybody tell you different. I mean, we don't need to get into all that, but it's just, it's, it's the wild West in terms of how downloads are counted. And, and because believe me, this is what we do. So we have to pay attention to this stuff. And um, it, it's just now finally, there's sort of governing bodies stepping in and taking control of this. And, and we've seen some changes in the way that podcast downloads are being accounted for and whatnot. But the, the point is, I'm sure that what, what do you call his dopey show with uh, the Grantland guy? Uh, Cheap Pete. Cheap Pete. Cheap Pete. Uh, Grantland, which has been defunct for like two years. They, <laughs> uh, You're talking about the mask man, uh, David Schumacher, I believe. But, yes, uh, the yeah. mask man, David Schumacher, who. From the ringer, he writes for the ringer. The uh... the ringer, yeah, the follow up to Grantland. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, yeah, people used to call that site Grantland, right? But it was it was named after Grantland Rice, the old sports writer, right, correct? So it was really Grantland, the name of the site, not Grantland. You know what I mean? And if there's one thing I will not stand for, Rich, it's mispronunciations. <laughs> I, 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 yes, yes. So we, uh, people need nothing to that's not perfect here. I mean, if I mean you missed it, but I I, I nailed every lucha, each and every one of the luchadors' names uh, last week's show nailed it, hundred percent perfect. I I haven't listened to your half of that show yet, um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure gonna go that. back. Why would you go back and listen to that? I'll listen to that. You're, you're, I've, you know, no, there's a you better know. way to waste. I promise you, have a better way to spend an hour. I promise. I have listened to every show we've ever done. Yeah, you're insane. You're, you're ridiculous. I would never. But. The reason I there's I have methods to my madness. Would you like to know why? No, I I, I know, but you're no selling me. I would have told you why, <laughs> Joe. I would love to know. Tell me, please. Oh, th- yeah, I'm glad you're curious. Um, I listen back to every every show we do because I want to hear what we're doing well and what we're doing that's terrible, and when I personally lose interest, and that way we can improve upon it week to week see i'm working rich I'm, I'm trying to make the show better so you think i'm just like some egomaniac who wants to hear myself talk now that's part no, of i it. think you're both no i i definitely think it's a little bit of a, a little bit of b I, listen i pop more for, b. maybe yeah. more of b but there's some a in there don't 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 you know there's some a i pop for myself i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but yeah you know. particularly good rants on a good rant you'd probably are like yeah yeah i'm like yeah, wow, yeah, like, yeah. yeah people are really gonna enjoy that one or I may have gotten a little too problematic there. I better get Rich to chop that out. Things like that. But 
I am listening to see, all right, we really went too long on this, or this was boring as fuck, or this was really good, or I think we killed it here, or, you know, so I do listen back. So I am going to listen to your half last week. I just haven't gotten around to that time. Point here is, I'm sure Cheap Heat, or whatever it is, I've never listened to a second of it. I'm, I'm not going to listen to Peter Rosenberg talk about wrestling, and today was a great example why. Um, I'm sure that show is doing a, a demonstrably bigger numbers than a show like this, or other shows where people know what they're talking about and have some value. I, 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 I don't know if it's bad form to talk shit about another podcast. I really don't care. I mean, it's not like we haven't done it before, I, you know, but Rosenberg is not someone who I think it's, it, I think it's shameful that someone like that is presumably making money to talk about wrestling. Um, being hired by WWE, notwithstanding that really doesn't matter. I mean, they, they hire people far less knowledgeable than him. Uh, to work for them. I'm not all that worked up about that. I don't care that they have, see a lot of people get upset about the fact that he works for, I don't care about that. They, you know, he's a professional broadcaster. Right. And oh, under- they find street guys. I mean, that, I don't care if, you know, they find guys from, you know, local news stations and, and throw them sure. there. I mean, that, so that, that you can't worry about. I mean, they're never ever, as far as their on-screen talent, you can never worry about the knowledge of the on-screen talent or whatever. I don't think that's, they need to have knowledge. No, no, no. They need to, you know, be able to, do the talking points and listen to Vince McMahon scream at him. And that's fine. Yeah. That's- and he, and he probably has more knowledge than these people that they hire and train at the performance center. In many cases, I'm, I'm sure some of them are fans. I don't want to discredit all of them, but I'm sure some of them aren't. They're just people looking to break in the media, you know, and, and, and same thing for Sam Roberts, who I, I like Sam Roberts. I don't, I don't have anything against Sam Roberts. He doesn't have sort of that, the arrogance that Peter Rosenberg has. I don't know what it is. And the other thing about Sam Roberts is I, from listening to him for years and years and years, you know, outside of his wrestling, just his wrestling stuff, he's, he's knowledgeable and he knows wrestling. I mean, he'll tell you, I mean, he's a bigger WWE. He's not, you know, necessarily hunkering down and watching evolve all day the way that we did today, but, but he, he knows what's going on. He knows that war machine is a tag team. I can promise you that. Right. Well, he's willing to learn stuff too. He, he's a guy that doesn't, like you said, Rosenberg would, would and we'll, we'll talk about it here in a sec, but he, he's willfully ignorant and, 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 and proud to be ignorant about this. And, and, and the other tweets kind of show it too, which is, is a little weird. I mean, especially like the, what, what's, what's interesting and, and you kind of get from the tenor of his, uh, the, the rest of his tweets that he follows up with or whatever is that, you know, Oh, well, why would I know about them? Why would I? And it's like, all right, dude, like they wrestled for new Japan, you know, the second biggest promotion in the world. And in America, they wrestled for the second biggest, you know, American promotion in ring of honor. So it's like, this isn't just like some, it, it, cause I get it. If people are like expecting this guy to know about whoever, and it's just some rinky dink guy from some indie or whatever that, that yet a hundred people know or whatever. I would, even if they were like an evolved talent or whatever, I wouldn't expect him to know if it was Matt Riddle. Like I, I wouldn't really, you know what I mean? Like I know Riddle, you, you know, really like, but I, I get it where, but War Machine's a big fucking deal. Like they were a big deal in, in two big companies, but he's just willfully ignorant about that stuff. And it, it, it made it even worse by the fact that he could have just really quickly found out, you, you know what I mean? Like you can do a, a, a four second Google search and find out that that's, but he claims that he, that when he did a Google search, the other guy came up and he was, you know, very upset by seeing the other war machine. So he just decided to go. Away. Oh, so he does claim that's why he made, he, he uh, later, later on after like hours of arguing with people, he was like, well, I tried, but then, you know, <laughs> and it didn't, but yeah, it, it's so, it's, so he's even dumber because he thinks WWE hired someone who was in prison for beating a woman near death. No, I think he's saying that like he wanted to find out about them, but couldn't because every time he did look up them or him or whoever he thought War Machine was, that the other War Machine came up so that he couldn't get to the okay. information about the wrestling War Machine. <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't know, buy that. <laughs> I don't. Why, I, why, no why, doesn't I know. why doesn't he just admit 
that he didn't know who they were. And, oh, okay, I just Googled War Machine. Top stories. WWE officially signs free agent stars Ricochet, comma, War Machine. That's from the Baltimore Sun. WWE signs Ricochet and War Machine for developmental territory NXT. That's from Sky Sports. And War Machine officially signs with WWE. Two picture, a picture of both of them in, in their costumes from cage side seats. Those are the first three items that come up in Google when you type War Machine. Then there's a movie uh, on IMDb and, uh, and the Wikipedia entry for the movie. And the next entry is War Machine, professional wrestling. <laughs> War Machine is a professional wrestling tag team consisting of Hanson and Raymond Rowe, yada, yada, yada. So I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. He's a liar. And then there's a couple more entries for uh, the movie, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Netflix, those sorts of things. Somebody with the Twitter handle War Machine and then some uh, blog called Welcome to War Machine. So about half the page is in reference to the wrestling tag team. Peter Rosenberg is full of shit. Yeah. And I didn't put War Machine Wrestling. I didn't put War Machine WWE. I simply put War Machine. You know what's not on this page, Rich? The MMA fighter War Machine? The MMA fighter who beat a woman within an inch of her life who's doing time in prison. Nowhere on this page will you find what he claims he found. Nowhere on the page. Oh, Rosenberg, but hey, we can't be too mad anymore because now we... Even in the related searches. (laughs) Searches related to War Machine. War Machine cast, War Machine wrestler, War Machine release date, War Machine Netflix, War Machine wiki, War Machine trailer, War Machine narrator, and War Machine true story. There is no sign of the insane man who renamed himself War Machine. Right, and the other thing that, because his initial point was that because of the association with, that when people hear War Machine, they immediately think of the MMA guy or whatever, and then the, the idea that, you know, you cannot be a publicly traded company and have that team in your name, but that proves it right there, that if you go to Google, it's 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 just, you know, it's all just normal. No. Wrestling no, War John, Machine and not John, the MMA guy, so. John Coppenhaver is nowhere to be found. Not even a news story, nothing. Um, so I don't know how the Google fucking gimmick works. I don't. Well, know some people if- went incognito. If you go into his uh, his, his mentions, then, then we'll move on because this topic. <laughs> it's that if you go to his mentions, there's people that, uh, including our, our our very good friend David Bixon's band uh, at David Bixon on Twitter, of course. Uh, he was in incognito mode, which strips all the little because because Google will try to sort of tailor stuff to what they think. So they might think Joe, you. That, like uh, wrestling right. more, so we're going to give you not the MMA, but he went out in incognito mode. It was the same thing. It was the movie, and it was War Machine the tag team. Oh, who did that? Bix's band did that. Uh, did, Bix did. Yeah, and when so you go he, on incognito, so he, it, it okay, shifts gotcha. out your search. It's it, right. you are basically just any person. You are an anonymous. The first time you open your computer, whatever. So there's no you know meta in there. There's nothing that's been gathered or whatever. You are just searching from the first time ever, sure. and it's still the movie and, and the tag team. So yeah, it's well, not here, the, well, yeah, but even so, okay, so that that just it, it, it proves our point, okay, that Rosenberg's a liar. But I'm interested in MMA. I like porn. Don't you think this guy would have came up with my uh fucking you know what I mean? No nary a sign of him even on mine. And listen, I, I'm sure that uh Rosenberg uh you know enjoys some porn now and then. I'm sure he dabbles in the uh in, in, in the MMA and he, he clearly is involved in wrestling. So wouldn't his Google fucking Back end lead him to this to, to the to the fucking tag team if he t- if he typed it in there. You're telling me only Peter Rosenberg's Google led him to John Coppenhaver? I don't buy it. 
I know you agree with me, but I, I just, I simply don't buy it. The man's a liar. Why can't he just say, you know what? I'm taking the L here. It's a bad job out of me. Yeah. Well. Do you know last week on his dopey show that they reviewed Wrestle Kingdom? <laughs> That's the which word is she wrestled on? <laughs> like, okay. I'm not going to listen to figure out. Somebody that did listen, let us know if they well, actually no, remember they that match. I asked, but... well, okay. I did find out, though. Oh, okay. 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 Supposedly, they only talked about Jericho and Omega. No, well, of course. Which, okay, I get it. That's the kind of show that they do. But you'd think that he would have just come across the rest of the card or had to fast forward through the... They wrestled on a show he talked about last week, and he still fucked it up. How does he do a wrestling podcast, and how is he involved in wrestling, and he just never came across these guys? It just it's it's baffling, and really it's it's it it is annoying. It, I'm sorry, it is annoying. Look, you can you can say ah, oh, Joe's mad. Maybe I am mad. It's annoying to me that someone like this presumably gets paid money to cover pro wrestling. It's annoying because there's hundreds of people more talented and more knowledgeable than him, you know, and 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 that that part does make it frustrating. So, um, I I don't know. Yeah, that's that's it. It was just a fun little rant I have there, but uh, we're we're you know we're we're doing okay now these days. So I'm less angry about these sort of guys. But uh, make sure patreoncom slash wrestling. You can pay for people to actually know what the fuck they're talking about and, and buy a razor. <laughs> yes, exactly, and uh, hire people and and buy tickets. We'll talk about those in a little bit. But we got plenty to talk about today. We got the evolved WN weekend. We're going to talk that. This is the first time I think I, I can remember in a long time that I've watched every show that they've done for a weekend you've watched every i mean this is a re- we we used to do a little bit more evolve we used to do a little bit more did usa this is a real throwback here we are going to do the entire weekend joe we've seen every show that they produced that entire weekend all three so it'll be pretty, uh, pretty fun to talk about uh raw 25th uh, a little bit of what's going on with that uh the legends that are going to appear i use legends eh, a little facetiously because there's you know not <laughs> we'll get to them but uh a little about the raw 25th um the Mixed Match Challenge, which did happen uh, a few days ago. We'll discuss that and more about the ramifications of it in relation to 205 Live, what's going on with 205 Live, and, of course, a little check-in on those 205 Live house shows, Joe, because, yes, they are coming very soon, a.k.a. this weekend, so we got to talk about them real quick. Uh, the NWA Empty Arena match, we have some good thoughts on that, I believe. Uh, then the Impact Tapings, what's going on with the uh, new and improved... I would say improved uh, impact impact the reborn uh, who's come in, who's come out uh, things that have happened during the spoiler or, or during the tapings. And, and we'll give a spoiler alert for people that are, that, 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 but basically if you start hearing us talk about impact, it's going to start being spoiler city. I so it's probably going away. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We're talking about news here. I mean, if you don't like it, go listen to cheap heat. How's that? Rich? <laughs> that's pretty good. I, yeah. I can't deal with it. I'm I just saying like- that's my warning is the second you hear us talking about impact. Not now. Second year. It's going to be spoiler city. So if you're like, Oh, I was curious who was going to, what was good. They taped through fucking April. So you know what? Sorry. Like we're going to talk about it. Like you probably will forget half the shit that happened by the time it comes up. So yeah, just, just if you care, if you're one of those dopes, just know we're a new show. We're going to talk about it. So too damn bad. But uh, before we get to all that stuff, Joe, I want to let everybody know that this week's episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at ZipRecruiter. And Joe, if you're in need of talent for your business, but you're short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, the smarter tools. And ZipRecruiter is that smarter tool. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively finds 
the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates on finding you. It finds them. There's no wonder that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And you can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Voice wrestling listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, Joe, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. One more time to try it free, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW for free on ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. Okay. Is that slash VOW, Rich? That's slash VOW. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW in case you're, in case you're curious. Gotcha. It's an audio medium. You got to repeat these things. <laughs> exactly. A few times. So, you know, let's sink in there. Uh, I, we got a few different ways to go here. We, uh, of course, should probably talk about this before we record, but fuck that. Uh, what do you want to do? We got Evolve Weekend. Uh, ah, we can wait on the Route 25th. I, I, I'm kind of between Evolve Weekend and the empty, the empty Arena match. That's kind of the two things I, I, I think I'm most passionate about this week. I, but, I uh, think we need to jump right into Evolve, and um, I think we're going to spend a good, deal, deal, a good deal of time on it. And... Uh, yeah, let's just do they really. Yeah, the WWM weekend, there were three shows. So I say we just uh, break them down chronologically and take people through them. But first, um, overall big picture thoughts. What did you think of the Evolve weekend as a whole? I thought it was really good. And um, I, I've I've been a fan of Evolve I mean, for the past few years. I mean, Evolve's lost a little bit of its luster in terms of like being the must watch or one of the must watch indies or something you have to watch every single time it's out there. But, but you know, I, I, I might not watch it in the moment. I might not watch it in the weekend. Like I did this one and this one, I was kind of actively following as it goes on. But every time that I watch an evolve show or I consume an entire evolve weekend, I usually end up really enjoying it. And I thought this was one of my favorite ones that they've had in, in, in quite some time. Cause I think there was just so much here to, to, to kind of sink your teeth into and so much here for, for every kind of wrestling fan as well. There was like, you know, inner, you know, promotion stories. If you're talking about style battle and evolve, like hierarchy changes where guys moving up ladders and guys moving down ladders and you know there was some dream matches in there too involved there was just fun characters throughout there was you know kind of guys that you wouldn't expect against other guys that you know these sort of matches that you would never expect to happen and stuff but it was like there was really just a little bit of everything for a little bit of something for everybody on this weekend and they were nice compact shows too and that's something i love about evolve too you can consume an entire evolve weekend basically in six hours and without a style battle it'd be about four hours to consume everything that they've done that entire weekend. And that that's pretty good. I mean, that appeals to someone like me who, you know, I groan when I hear that Royal Rumble is going to be five and six hours now. It's like, no, dude, I just, I don't, I don't have that much time. And, and Evolve is nice, compact. Things get a, get going right away. One match, you know, is done. The next match is ready to go. In some cases with Gabe, <laughs> when one match is over, next match is started immediately or whatever, which is cool. But I think what you found out this weekend was just one of the things that makes Gabe so special. And one of the reasons why, you know, the people that have really been, you know, that are really big fans of Gabe for, for many years. Why, when he clicks on all cylinders, why you, there's almost nobody better at booking is you see just the stuff that he does, and it's it, it's just different. It's more unique, and it's a little bit more powerful in, in some cases. Like every win and every win and every loss and every everything just kind of matters. And there's a super clear hierarchy throughout the entire promotion too, which makes it a little bit fun as well. So so you, you know when you can have the whole weekend in that case, and you have a, a you know ninety eight and, and, and ninety nine, you can look at him. It's just a fun, compact weekend, and it's like you've gotten this whole you know collection of stories 
out in, and, and maybe they don't relate to something that's going to happen in, in two months or maybe it's not three months or whatever. But as far as those weekends go, it's like it's really cool to just kind of sit down and consume these the way I, you and I did, where we just kind of watch them back to back to back to back. And it's it, it, it's fun to sort of see how the you know things are related and how the ebb and flow and stuff. But I thought it was a great weekend all around. I think there was just a little bit of something for everybody. I think you hit on a couple of um, key points. Number one, one thing that Gabe has done in recent years is the shows are very, they're easily digestible. They're, they're, they're about two, two and a half hours. If you cut out the prelims, uh, especially they check in at the two, usually around the two hour mark. Um, you're not inundated with, you know, a three, three and a half hour card. Some of the ring of honor shows back in the day, a big complaint was how long they were and how exhausting they were. Um, Evolve has really been streamlined and, and, and they are quick, easy watches. And that's a good thing. I think that, uh, you also, a point you also touched on was the booking right now is excellent in that there's a clear hierarchy and there's a clear sense that the wins and losses do make a difference. I think when it comes to Sapolsky's booking, there are times where it really feels like that. And there's other times where it feels like the wins and losses don't matter at all. Right now is one of those moments in time where it does feel like it means something. And you can tell they even emphasize it in the commentary. Um, You know, whether it's Jason Kincaid's overriding story arc of, you know, he, he, they, they keep emphasizing that he nearly falls off the roster because of losses, but then he manages to win a prelim match or something in it. And, and he manages to stick on the roster. And now you have this Darby Allen thing where he started off in a getting squashed in Dallas against Ethan page. He worked his way all the way to a title match. He basically got destroyed by Zack Sabre jr. For 20 minutes. And he's placed himself back into the prelims and he worked the opener, uh, you know, the next night. Um, you know, during other matches, they talk about, you know, if this guy wins, he's going to move up the card or position himself for a title match. And the easiest way to get someone like me or someone like you invested in your promotion is to show us that the wins and losses mean something. And I think that Gabe understands that that's the kind of audience he has. And we're back to where those things are, are, are really mattering. And I think when Gabe sort of gets off track with his booking, you, it, it, one of the, one of the first indicators of that is you start seeing weird <laughs> results in matches. We've seen that over the years where we're like, well, why did True. this guy yeah, yeah, twice right. this weekend? And why is this guy getting a title shot? Or why is this happening? When Gabe's really clicking, the results all mean something. I like, why are we so emotionally invested in new Japan? Because every result means something right down to who's scoring the falls and who's taking the falls in seemingly mean, meaningless tag matches. You know, we break that down in thorough detail throughout the, the book that's available on PayHip for Name Your Own Price or Amazon for $5.99. We break that down on this show all the time. Um, it, it, that, that's what hooks you when what you're watching means something. It makes you pay closer attention when the result is, is, is going to mean something. Um, so I think that was a big key. The other thing this weekend that I felt for the first time in a long time, man, these shows, I don't know what it was, but they just had the feel of like old school when it was clicking on all cylinders, Ring of Honor, circa the mid-aughts, where everyone seemed to have a purpose. All of the matches seemed to have a purpose. You had 
show to show stories that were playing out. Mm-hmm. Um, good action, but the best stuff was at the top of the card. It, it really gave me that vibe. You get the sense that we've got motivated Gabe again. And I talked about this a little bit on everything evolves. Um, I don't know if it was two shows ago or three shows ago since they had me on. I believe three because they but, did the preview and the review. So yeah, it would be three shows ago that, that you were on there for people that want to right. look back and discover it. Yeah. So when I did everything evolves, I talked about it with those guys. Gabe Sapolsky has been booking pro wrestling like consistently for like 16 years now. And I'm not sure I can name another person who's ever booked wrestling consecutively for 16 years. And, you know, booking pro wrestling is, is not a long-term job. You burn out fairly quickly when you're, you even look at the territories, they would, they would cycle their book. Oh, it was always cycling guys. Yeah. They have six months of this guy, a year of that guy. Like they might come back, you know, the guys might come back after two yeah. years or after a year or whatever, but it was always this six month year. Okay. I'm out new guy in. Okay. I'm back. Like you had to do that. I mean, it, it would, because those guys just didn't have that many ideas. Like, and you could sense, you know, when those guys were sort of burning out and, and a lot of the territory owners were smart enough to know, okay, look, you got to go and, and we'll get something else in there. And then, you know, when, when this has died down, we'll, we'll bring you back and have you come. But yeah, it, 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 it used to always cycle like rapidly, like very quickly. You even look at the, you know, hot territories. I mean, you know, Memphis used to, you know, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler used to take turns running things, you know, every six months or every year or whatever it was. And then um, you look at like uh, when Dallas was hot, it was Gary Hart at first. And then, you know, he was gone before it really took off. You look at um, WWF through the years and it was George Scott, uh, you know, in the early part of, of Hulkamania. And then he was gone. And then Pat Patterson really uh, probably did it for the longest amount of time. But remember, Vince even tried to bring Bill Watts in for a spell yeah. there in the 90s. And 94, 95. Yeah, Bill Watts was in there. <laughs> yeah. And and ultimately, you know, Vince had the final say at all times. But it's like, and now they, they have these writing teams. It's not, I mean, I can't, someone who, who is better with the historical stuff than me maybe can think of someone. But 16 straight years of booking, you know, fairly high level pro wrestling is 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 basically unheard of. So the point I'm getting to here is he goes through ebbs and flows creatively. I mean, I mean, we even had a conversation with him once where he admitted, he's like, Hey, look, you know, I just had a kid. Um, I, I you know, I, I've got a new job or whatever. He, he's like, and my, my focus, you know, I, I feel like my focus, he's admitted in the past that his focus wasn't on the wrestling. You know, it, it's, this is a guy who, who, he flo- and that's going to happen over 16 years. Right now, though, I think with these shows, I, I really saw signs of great booking focus, things that make sense, purpose for everyone on the card, and you were really able to sink your teeth into the stories and everything that was going on. And one of the things I think, you, and you mentioned why it feels kind of like peak ROH, and I, I, I think that's right on, is in a lot of ways – those days of Ring of Honor, what was cool about that show is that you felt every match that you were watching, like you said, everybody has a purpose. Every match has a purpose. But I think there was a, a clear line of, okay, this guy is, is is working his way up. 
this guy is working maybe his way down or, you know, if he loses, he'll work his way down or this guy's right on the precipice of getting up or what. I think that's because you have like the Austin theory throughout this entire weekend as a guy who's, you know, in the last year and he's a guy who, when he came in about, about a, about a year ago or so, I think is when, when he came, I, I don't have the exact date in front of me was a guy that a lot of people looked at and he's like, ah, this is just kind of generic or whatever. They've done a hell of a job getting him to the level that he's at where now he feels like one of those guys. And it was always that way in peak ring of honor, where there was always, you know, you had your Danielsons, you had your guys at the top, but there was always that guy in the middle that was just like, man, he's, he's ready to go. And once one of those people falls, this guy's ready to take that, that next step up, or this guy's ready to move that way up or whatever, but they don't do it right away. They make you wait a little bit. And sometimes Gabe waited too long. I mean, Tyler Black is a, is a perfect example of a guy that was like, all right, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. You got him, you got him. And, and they just waited way too long with him, but it's kind of fun to have that weight there where you got Austin theory who, who, who's, winning the wings right now and they're doing it nice and slow he knows he should be at the next level he wants to be at the next level but there's things you know unfinished business to get to the next level and that's what Kincaid is so Kincaid is a guy that he started off you know doing stuff on the prelims with Kincaid he sort of moved on but he can't get to that next level until he vanquishes Kincaid who won't leave him alone you know and that's cool it's a good way to sort of tell the story of well why isn't Austin Theory if he if he says he should be in the main events why is he not in the main events well He's working his way there, but he's just got to let this one guy get out. He's just got to beat this guy because this guy's a little pain in his ass. But I love that story, though, because now you're seeing this blend of a guy in the middle who's trying to get that next level up, a guy that used to be in the middle, then worked his way down. Now is kind of working his way back up. But now, you know, he's he's back down again or whatever with Kincaid. You know, the Darby Allen, as you mentioned, is a guy who, you know, a year or so ago, you know, starts on a prelim match, you know, just gets a tryout, gets destroyed and works his way up from there. And is a guy that just takes beatings and beatings and beatings and, and gets to a main event loses you know looks you know not i don't know he looked good in the match but i mean like in in, in terms of the character he looked like shit you know in in law i mean the story zach, line, yeah, the story. in the storyline zach saber is just so much better than darby allen or whatever he got a, yes. he got his title shot that's what he wanted but it was proven that no dude you're not at this level quite yet so he himself realizes that and goes back down to the prelims or whatever and that's that's just so cool and you got all that in one fucking weekend and that's the cool thing about it and that's like you said related to peak ring of honor too because peak ring of honor used to be that like you would and, you know, I always just I, I would always obviously go to the shows in Chicago and those would always be on Saturday night on Friday. They I think usually run Dayton, uh, if I remember correctly, it was either Dayton or it was Dayton or, or, or somewhere in Michigan. They would run and you had to read the results of that because you knew whatever happened on that Friday show was going to bleed into what was going to happen on that Saturday show. So you had to read those results. And that's why you're like feverishly, you know, re- refreshing on ROHwrestling.com, the forums there to see what would happen. And that's what this felt like. It felt like a, a full weekend where everything mattered and what happened on 98 mattered on what happened on 99. And in some cases, what happened on Style Battle also mattered what happened on the Evolve stuff too. So that's where yeah. you're at your peak when you can watch them and they're just these full weekends with full stories and, and, and now you can kind of take a break for a little while. And that's the cool thing about Evolve 2. It's, it's not yeah. like next weekend, ah, fuck, we got to do this again. It's like, all right, cool. We can kind of let that settle a little bit, let that simmer a little bit. And then we come back in a month and we see sort of where the storylines went and where these guys go or whatever. But it's it's good stuff. And they're telling great stories, too. And I think one thing that's underrated about Evolve, and, and people just assume because it's the indies or whatever and kind of roll their – but the promos, uh, the in-ring and the, and the backstage promos, these guys are solid talkers, too. Like a Darby Allen is a very real character in Austin theory. You know, he's, he's improved a lot. He's just feels like a real character, a guy like, uh, you know, even you have Nick Gage cutting promos on the, on this weekend or whatever. And it just works. Like everybody at Joey Janela was, was great on this entire weekend. Janela well. was fantastic. Yeah. Cutting promos and stuff where, you know, I don't think we give enough credit to that. We sort of think of it being, you know, evolve. Oh yeah. It's wrestling, wrestling, in ring and ring or whatever. It's a very story heavy, very, you know, talk. 
guys were, were were telling stories throughout and not doing it necessarily in the ring, but then combining, you know, their, their, their out of the ring promos, the, the promo videos that they do, which are always fantastic with in ring storytelling too. And, and, and the real big part of in ring storytelling, as you mentioned, is wins and losses, you know, and, and who gets that victory, how they get the victory and how they looked in defeat or victory matters and it matters a lot and that's really fun and you can and and the the last point i'm gonna bring up and then I'll, I'll kind of let you talk is um it doesn't matter you know even if you don't love the roster and and i think this kind of speaks to your point that you brought up about the wins and losses mattering or whatever is that no matter what if 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 you watch a wrestling show and the wins and losses matter and the results matter that no matter who is wrestling you're gonna somehow feel an investment that's how i am i know you are as one well, i think a lot of people are where you know i might not be interested in Darby Allen if it was Darby Allen on some random show or whatever, but knowing that this win is life or death for Darby Allen or whatever makes me want to invest in that character and makes me interested in him as a character. If he was just in some random shitty, you know, random indie, random super indie or whatever, he's just Darby Allen wrestler guy. But in this, it's like, cool, he, I can invest in his story. I know a little bit of his background. And if he wins, that's cool. Then, you know, then I know he's moved up the ladder. If he loses, it's cool that he goes back down or it, like, no matter who you're watching, no matter what you're watching, if there's, there's stakes if there's consequences if there's a reason to watch that and a reason to invest you're always going to be interested in that and that's where you know the evolved roster you might look at and go ah there's not much for me there but like i care if jaka wins or loses but i shouldn't like i don't care about jaka i don't care about chris dickinson but in this promotion there's they're done so well that you do care and a chris dickinson win does mean a lot and jaka going toe-to-toe with matt riddle matters and all that sort of stuff and that's where you know don't worry about the roster worry about the stories that are being told with that roster and i think they're doing a great job doing that right now yeah, I mean, you mentioned Austin Theory. I mean, it's. I also think it's cool that he's, you know, defending his FIP title on these shows because that was something that Gabe used to do in ROH, where the the FIP title from time to time would be used as as an undercard title. Um, you know, whether it was uh, you know Eric Stevens or Goshi Ozaki or you know you can name whoever you know held that belt. Um, it was something for the mid carders to fight over, which you didn't always have, you know, when the pure title was no longer a thing, once they combined those and in this promotion, um, you know, it's so it, and, and it's something to put on a cocky guy like Austin theory um, to sort of give his match some stakes. And then, um, and, and the thing it's like, you, you can kind of see where Gabe loses his way. Sometimes when you start having shows with a bunch of like four way matches, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> But you didn't see any of that this weekend. No. You know, it's like everything, everything out of purpose, everything advanced the story. He didn't just throw guys into four ways and, 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 and things of that nature. Uh, but I guess we might as well start with Evolve 98 and the Zack Sabre Jr. Darby Allen match, which was built up of Darby Allen coming literally from the bottom, a 30 second squash. I was front row for that when Ethan Page squashed him. In fact, I remember tweeting out that the sound system was bad. And I, and I apologized because I'd never seen the guy before and I didn't know his name and I didn't understand the name. So I was there when, when, when he debuted in the company and, and lost the squash to Ethan page. And now here he is getting a evolved title shot against, against Zack Sabre jr. And I know, you know, this again, great job with the booking, because if you were following along on, on Twitter, everybody wanted Darby Allen to win the title. Everyone was rallying behind Darby Allen, which really was the, intended emotion that they were trying to get out of you. And of course I had to be the one to, to piss in everybody's cornflakes and be the fucking, but, but my feeling was, I don't think Darby Allen is a champion. I think Darby Allen is a chaser. Um, I don't know where you stand on that, but to me, Darby Allen is a guy who shouldn't ever win the title. And if he does, he should lose it quickly. 
It's almost like the Tommy Dreamer thing in ECW. He should have never been champion, and, and he was at times, but he was briefly, and then someone would fuck up his, his moment. Um, it's almost like Sami Zayn. I don't yeah, think right, Sami right, Zayn, right. he's another one. You know, if, if, if he ever, you know, like in NXT, he wins a title, but someone's there to fuck up his moment. Um, guys like that to me are chasers. They're not champions. So I was happy with the result. I don't think Allen should have won, but I think it's great that people were so wrapped up in his story that they badly wanted him to win. And I think that the story of the match was fantastic. It, it was just that Darby Allen is not at that level yet. Zack Sabre Jr. Just, 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 you know, he, he just he manhandled him. And, and, you know, with the exception of one or two little hope spots that went nowhere, the story was that Darby Allen is not in his league and they managed to tell that story in the main event and not have it be disappointing. It was still a, 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 a deeply compelling match. And that's a huge credit to both Darby Allen, Zack Sabre Jr. And, 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 you know, the creative process behind building and, and going through with this match. And I'm right with you too, that I don't think Darby should win. I, I, I like him as that tragic and he is like kind of that tragic figure or whatever. And that's, I don't know if you saw the promo before Evolve 98 or whatever, but they show him, you know, hanging out at the skate park and, you know, getting tattoos and, you know, he's got the tattoos, this champ and he's, you know, pet, you know and he's kind of a, a nutcase about that. He thinks, you know, he, he's going to be the champ and it's like, no dude, you're not ready yet. And that's, that's a cool story. And I like that. I like the idea of him always working his way up. And then he loses, and then he's got to work his way back down and work his way because he's just not a guy that I, I I think projects well as a champion. And that's nothing against him. I just think he's a very good chaser, like you said. Sami Zayn is that type of guy too. I love Sami Zayn getting to the top. I don't mind if Sami Zayn is on the top, but I want him on the top for like four seconds, then someone to fuck up, fuck it up, and then he has to you know work his way back up. Because there's some guys that are just so much better at that. And yeah, Tommy Dreamer is the the all time example, a guy that just so worked better you know, losing or so work better getting just oh so close and then never being able to do it at the end of the day. And that's fine. It's that's an okay story to tell. And it's a great story to tell. And Darby Allen's a perfect guy for that too. So yeah, I'm glad he didn't win it here. And I and I hope that he continues to kind of work his way up and then get knocked down in, in some pegs. And yeah, if he does win it, like you said, at some point, I hope that just instantly someone, you know, tosses him into the eighth row or something like that and, and you know beats him up or whatever. That's where I think he works the best. But you know, I thought this was a great match and told a great story throughout too. So yeah, great storytelling. Um, the perfect story to tell, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, the opener here was a four-way. Jason Kincaid uh, defeated Brody King, Snoop Strikes, and my man Jarek120. I'm into this Jarek. Let me tell is you. Is it actually Jarek? You keep calling him Jarek. Where did you get that from? The man's name is Jarek120. Are you sure? Because they always say Jarek. That's what I said, Jarek120. <laughs> okay, all right. He's got the assistant... You know, yeah, I'm Candy hoping it's right. Who uh, should never wear heels again? I, I you know, there's some there's some women that, that that can pull off the heels. Candy Cartwright could not pull off the heels. And, and you know, I, I speak as somebody who's married to someone who she always tries the heels. And I'm like, I, I'm like, well, before we go, like, let's walk a little. She can't do it. And I'm like, just don't bother. It's it looks very painful. You look uncomfortable. Just let it go. We don't have to do the heels. More and notes, Cartwright, more notes, more notes. Yeah, for no, Lance she'll tell you, too. She knows. And I always she always puts them on. And I'm like, OK, I'm like, let's let's. Like you're gonna fall, you look like you're in tremendous pain. They look very uncomfortable. Like some women like dominate the heels. You know what I mean? Like they know it. They they own yeah. them. Candy Cartwright did not. The nurse does not. So just you know, <laughs> uh, you know. It, to be fair to Cartwright, okay, it can't be easy to walk around a wrestling ring. No, which has a lot I mean. of bounce. Yeah, to it. that's. Imp- I don't know how like the old uh, the old school like WWE divas used to do it. Like Terry Runnels like, and the, and those. I mean, those guys were in like giant heels, and it was just like that ring is. is things are bound. They wrestled matches in them for God's sakes. Like, how did you do that? Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Woman, right? Was another. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. Either. Yeah. 
But uh, but I enjoy this Jarek 120. I'm I'm hoping at some point. Do you think he'll saw her in half at some point? Oh, he's got it right. Yeah, because if if you didn't watch, Kenny Cartwright is like the you know she's wears the top hat and has the like yeah she's obviously like the assistant of the magician and and Jarek 120 yeah. or Jarek if you're Joe, uh, he's he's a magician as well or kind of uh you know a a, a in some him. way so. I want to see him saw her in half. I want to see him pull like doves out of his asshole. I want to see all these classic magician tricks, pulling the ribbon out of the sleeve. You know, I want to see him take the hat off and there's like a fucking, there's like a hair in the ra- or a rabbit in the fucking, why'd I say hair? It's like <laughs> rabbit in the hat is like a famous thing. And I said, pull a hair out of that. I, I don't even know how these things pop in my head. Why, why, why would I say hair? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out the last time you said hair, instead of rabbit and why that would ever come up again. Like why, why would know? anyone say, Oh, pull a hair out of your hat. Like, is that like, I don't even know. It's very confusing uh, in more than anything. So yeah, that's uh, I don't know. You know? I don't know Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell you. Yeah. Like maybe you know, whatever. Well, they're different do. hairs are different than rabbits, right? I, th- I believe it's a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. Like hairs are like the tall things like, like jackrabbits and hairs are the same, but rabbits are, are different. If I remember correctly, well, jackrabbits, let me tell you, we got some jackrabbits out here in t- TLB's got some out by where she lives out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Those things fuck you up, right? Ja- well, no, you just see these jackrabbits running around sometimes. And um, she, unfortunately, I mean, she's got a couple, you know, she lives out in the middle of nowhere. She's got some guard dogs, you know? Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, every now and then they'll get a hold of one. It's bad news for the jackrabbit when the dogs get a hold of them. But, uh, but yeah, they, 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 yeah, they're, they're like, they're different than what you think of when you think of a rabbit, you know. Kind of like the um, long legs, like the they're, they're you know more jumpy than those. Yeah, I think yeah. If you, if you look up hair and rabbit, you'll see the difference. So yeah, I don't know what the fuck Joe was talking about. If you pull the hair, I, I think hairs are like significantly bigger too. So that actually would be more impressive if you were somehow able to put a hair pull a hair out of a hat because <laughs> they're right. like they're like much bigger and much more. Uh, uh, yeah, they're more. I don't know. I don't know what the, the. I guess they're not. I don't know if they're as, as social, but I feel like they're a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I feel like they, they're more animal-like than a rabbit, which is probably just sit there and kind of like move its nose a little bit, whereas a hare, I think, would jump and be all nuts and, and kind of tough to, uh, to yeah. keep under control. So, yeah, that's I, I think it's more impressive, in fact, if he did pull a hare out of his hat. Well, like, I, I've seen some jackrabbits just ripped apart in, like, the front yard until it be Yeah, yard. that's... You know, I, there was guys, this my, thing... My, oh, my guys try to get squirrels, but, like, like past, this past year, they got to one. Like, a, there was a squirrel, and they cornered it, and the squirrel couldn't get under the fence. But then they had no idea what to do. They, like, looked at me, and I was like, I don't know. Like, let it go. And I'm trying to tell them, like, get away or whatever. They got it. They're, like, next to it, and they could grab it. But then they just both looked up, like, ah, oh, we don't. Like, every time they go out there, that's all they want to do is hunt rabbits and find the, or, or rabbits and squirrels or whatever. But then they finally had the chance, and they were like, oh, I don't fucking know what to do. Are you kidding? Like, I just yeah, so there was I no have it for you. Come get it. And I'm like, no, I don't want it. Like, and then it just ran away. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, I mean, I'm glad they did that because I don't want them tearing it up. So I'm glad yeah. that that was the response was, holy shit, I didn't think this thing was actually going to stay here. But uh, yeah, I, I thankfully I've never had to yeah pick up uh, or I remember my cousin's dog like once brought like a, a, a possum into the house. Mm. He like grabbed it by the neck and they like brought him in. It was like night or whatever, and you know, they bring him into the house and he just drops this thing and it's like oh. So, okay. Was it live? Yes, yeah. He didn't like rip it up. He like grabbed it by the so neck. There was a like, live like, possum in their yes, home. Yes, yeah. That didn't yeah. Uh, did not go over too well. That was kind of tough to because yeah, the possum, believe it or not, was not calm and 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 wasn't just you know you didn't open the door and say okay now you go. It was all over the place and it was right. running all around and it was now just, they got a possum in their living room. <laughs> exactly. And then the dog's like all right, I'll get it again. You're like no, they had to move the dog somewhere else. It was just yeah, it was fucking disaster. I was, um, 
I, there was this weird, there was like a horn, an animal's horn in, in TLB's yard a couple weeks ago. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. I'm like, what is this? And she looks at it and she just waves her hand. She's like, ah, there's probably a dead cow somewhere. And the dogs brought that back. All casual. I'm like, this is not something casual. What do you mean? He's like, oh, there's probably a cow probably died somewhere. A bull probably died somewhere. And the dogs were probably picking at the at the carcass. And they brought back the horn. I'm like, this is some. I'm like, where are we? Yeah. I'm like, what? what is this? You got to be kidding me. Where you drop a pen on the ground and the chihuahua runs under the bed and isn't seen again for you know, yeah, three hours, I, right? Yeah. yeah, they're bringing back parts of dead animals. I'm like, what the fuck? This is unsettling, you know? Um, then I had to hear all about the packs of wild boars that live out on, on her property. She's like, yeah, there's, there's packs of boars. I'm like, boars, wild boars, you know? I'm like, I'm, like, I, I'm familiar with wild boar in Europe. You know, they're the wrestler, but, you know, <laughs> packs of packs of wild boar. It'd be boars. more impressive if there were packs of that wild boar hanging around. Because, you know? because we're, she's examining this horn or whatever, and she's like, well, it could be the from the snout of a wild boar. You know, that's how it transitioned into the wild boar talk. And then I'm like, what, what the fuck? And then she's like, yeah, there's packs of wild boars out there, up, out in the back of the property. She's like, every now and then I'll go out there in the car, and, and they have their little piglets that run along with them too. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. I, what is this shit? The fucking – the Serengeti? Where, where do you fucking live? What is, this is ridiculous. What is, the next thing oh, – It's a giraffe. Ah, it's just a giraffe bone. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, what? Monty Brown's going to be out there pouncing yeah. people? What are we, it's the Serengeti? Yeah, you know? the femur of a giraffe. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, like carcasses of animals and dead jackrabbits and packs of wild boars. Monty Brown. What else is out there? You know, it could be anything. But my uh, um, my, my dog brought a, a bobcat bone back once. We we discovered that like I, I was trying to figure out in my mind like he was in my back in my parents' backyard just walking around. And all of a sudden he comes up as happy as can be and he's got this thing. I'm like, what the hell is in here? And it was definitely like the bone. And my mom's like, oh, there used to be this like bobcat or this like weird big cat. That was walking around our, our our backyard or whatever, and we assumed that it died over the winter or whatever. So then, yeah, Hans kept going back and forth, grabbing different bones of this thing. I was like, all right, well, we're we're gonna go home so he doesn't continue grabbing Wait, you bones. Got bobcats in Chicago? There was this one. Yeah, I don't know why the hell it was there, but yeah, it got cited and reported as being like there was a few of them walking around or whatever. Um, I have no idea why. I don't know where yeah. they came from, how they Bob- got there. We got bobcats out there too. Yeah, know? we're not supposed to. I there. I don't know why the, there were a few there. We got some coyotes that now are kind of working their way yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. The city a little bit more, and like, in a, oh, so yeah, man. I gotta be more careful when you bring the dogs out and stuff because, um, you're just gonna. We got coyotes out here. Let me tell you, she got coyotes out by her, and uh, we're we because we hear them at night. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, I'm jumping. She's like, <laughs> yeah, you got the. <laughs> she's like, it's a coyote, you know. I'm like a coyote, and she says when the coyotes get out of control, like the population of the coyotes get out of control, it's bad because they'll like. They'll attack your your dogs. They'll, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 They they'll go. ruin crop. They'll fucking kill your domestic cats. Anything that's outside, they go through your garbage. So she says, when they get out of control, what they do in that county is they'll make it legal to go hunt them, right? But to prove that you killed them, you have to bring their ears back. To like, <laughs> I, I I I swear to you, half the time I think she's making this shit up, but. This is what fucking people in these weird back end back ass states do. You got to cut their ears off and bring the ears like to town to prove that <laughs> to you the s- town center. Yes, <laughs> to, to the general prove- store to make sure. That- yes, to prove that you slayed the coyote and then they pay you like to, for every coyote that you. Because I guess they figure, look, 
you can claim you killed a coyote, but how do we know you killed a coyote? If you cut off its ears, chances are it was dead, I think is the reasoning behind that. You know what I mean? I can kind of see the reasoning, but it's still fucking weird to me that people are out there (laughs) shooting coyotes and then cutting the ears off. Packing up these ears. What do you put it in, like a Ziploc bag? Yeah, is it on ice? Is it on ice, or is it just kind of like... And then you're bringing it to, like, the police station or the fucking <laughs> mayor or whoever. I don't know. Where they do the public hangings in the middle of the town square. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. Where they do the fucking firing squad for, for jaywalkers. <laughs> and, and you bring them the coyote ears, and they give you money. It's just, just fucking... It's not a bad just, gig, though, if you can get it, though. I mean, that's... You yeah. got to remember, I'm a Jersey boy. Yeah, this is, into this shit. I don't know what I would do in this situation. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like every now and then out there, I'll hear like a gunshot, right? <laughs> and it's it's in the distance, you know. And she's like, ah, my cousin's probably back there hunting something. And I'm just like, all right, I just don't even want to know. This is just fucking bizarre to me. Um, She's got this real backwoods cousin. I mean, who when he talks, it's, it's like he's speaking a foreign language because his accent's so thick and he's using words that like, you know, you only hear in like Clint Eastwood movies from the 60s. So, you know, and apparently he goes back there and shoots at the wild boars and Monty Brown or whatever else is running around back there. I don't know. Um, that then on her Serengeti. But uh, so Jarek 120. Yes. Yeah, that's of course. Hairs. I want to I want to know when he's going to start doing some magic tricks because I've seen him do some magic tricks on YouTube. I would like him to do some magic tricks in the Evolve. So I starting with sawing Candy Car right in half because that will never not be amazing to me when a magician <laughs> saw a woman in half on the stage. I'm fascinated by that. Um, and then they wheel it around, you know, yeah. like they'll wheel the parts around each other. And she just has this look on her face. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm sawed in half. This is crazy. You know, like she they always sell it very well. And like the legs are still a lot of times they're still moving their feet. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Like, oh, of course. The, 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 the feet that are cut off. You don't pop for that. I enjoy that. You know. Uh, no. <laughs> I saw. I saw. I saw Chris Angel in Vegas once. I'm sorry. That was all right. In, uh, in uh, Chris, I saw the Chris Angel show uh, at that dump. Uh, the Excalibur. He has a show at the Excalibur. Excalibur is a fucking dump. It's the one. That oh, that was that the home of the Nitro Girl. Are you talking? Are you kidding? If you walk into Excalibur, it just smells like mildew. It's no, it's not terrible. Dump. Like when I, when I went there because I went to the Nitro Girl with the last time I was in Vegas, which obviously was many, many years ago. But I went with my parents or whatever, yeah. and both they were like, ah, "This is terrible. <laughs> Can we not be here?" And the, I was like, "No, I want to see the Nitro Girl." And they were like, "Definitely ready to leave." Like I didn't know because I just wanted to go to the WCW Nitro Girl. But like, yeah, they they were just kind of like, "All right, you're done. All right, cool." And we never went there again, and they never talked about it ever again. But yeah, it must have been horrible because they were like both very uncomfortable that we were there. And yeah, it looks like it smells. So that, that Excalibur stinks. That and New York, not New York, New York. Uh, Excalibur and um, the one right next to it that's shaped like a fucking castle. The, it's got the castle gimmick. And you well, go that, That's Excalibur, though, right? Uh, yeah, maybe that's Excalibur. Excalibur is the Why castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the, pyra- what's the one shaped like the pyramid? Oh, You're the right. Luxor? Excalibur. The, the Luxor. Luxor. That, yes. The Luxor, that's where the Chris Angel show was. The mind does that one stink? Because I, I, I enjoy yes, it. Yes, they're both oh, fucking dumps. But I haven't been there in like 20 years, so I don't really remember. But X, you're right. Excalibur's the fucking castle gimmick. You walk in, there's a guy in chainmail holding an axe. He's like, uh, ye day, sir. Like, that's, <laughs> that's Scott Steiner, though. That's just, fucking, that's, yeah, that's like, Big Papa yeah. Pump. Yeah, that's just Big Papa and, Pump. Saying. You know, and there's women walking around, like, fucking with their tits hanging out with the chainmail. Yeah, that's that's the uh, Excalibur. That's Excalibur. Yeah, that right. place is a that's a dump too, but the Luxor is right next door. And I think I'm not positive or at one point it was the same owners and everything, 
But that's a dump too. But anyway, I went to see Chris Angel uh, his show, and his show stunk. I mean, it wasn't. I, I enjoy a good magic show. It wasn't any good. But the only thing I enjoyed is he did. He did cut a woman in half. Like he he did the old school, cut the assistant in half. I did pop for that. I did enjoy that, but the rest of his show was not good. It was not the worst show I ever saw in Vegas, though. The worst show I ever saw in Vegas was the Michael Jackson Cirque show. The Cirque du Soleil with the Michael Jackson theme was the biggest piece of shit. And if I wasn't there, like with work people, I got take, you know. Okay, I was going to say, what the hell was that? Okay, makes sense now. No, I did not buy a ticket to this. The, 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 they bought. We were there for a work conference, and they the company. That's the show they took us to. I guess they felt it was neutral or whatever, uh, safe. All those sorts of things. Yeah, it's right. Nothing terrible. like a guy thought, suspected of child molestation. You know, <laughs> nice and safe. Well, you know what I mean. It wasn't oh, I mean, like a like everybody, everybody likes everybody likes Michael Jackson too. Like the music and everybody's kind of yeah, It's like a fam- it was a family yeah. show. Though. Yeah, it's, right. a, it's Cirque and it's Michael Jackson. You know, so I figured, all right, it's a Cirque show. At minimum, I'm going to get guys doing flips. And I'm, I'm down for that. Okay, I'll watch guys do flips all day. Okay, I, I figure there's going to be guys swinging on hoops and flying off the fucking ceiling. And maybe one of them will fucking drop and break a leg or something. So I figure at least I'm getting Cirque and, and all that. Rich, this thing was fucking shit. Okay, <laughs> there were no flips. There were no flips. There were no guys jumping through fucking rings of fire. There was none of the fucking, none of, no, there's nobody like bending themselves in half. None of the Cirque shit that you would think you were going to get. It was basically a dance show set to the soundtrack of Michael Jackson songs. It was just people Ooh, dancing. Yeah. It was horrendous. And if I wasn't there with work people, I would have walked out. It was that bad. Do not go to the Michael Jackson Cirque show. Don't do it. You want to know one of the best shows I saw, believe it or not? Carrot Top. Carrot Top. <laughs> it was awesome. Damn, you, you, I, you stole my luster here. This is actually funny because I was going to just try to find out where the Luxor was compared to uh, Excalibur and all that sort of stuff. So I, I went on Google Street View. And you go to this. So there's a Luxor. There's a Sphinx there. You know, the fake Sphinx. Uh, there's one giant billboard behind the Luxor that says Mind Freak, the number yeah. one magic show of all time. Chris Angel. Right. Right next to it is a billboard for Carrot Top. Carrot Top. Yeah, <laughs> so he plays Luxor too. Yeah. He's got a multi-million dollar deal with Luxor. His show was great. I popped for the Carrot Top. People rip Carrot Top. That dude's funny. He I was, no right, problem he, was he right up at this point too? Because he's, he's like a big roid guy now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's like that, gigantic. That, this, like, was, this was jacked Carrot Top. Okay, this good. wasn't That's, that long ago. I like, I like my Jinder Mahal carrot top. That, I enjoy that a lot, so it's pretty good. All right, so that's Jerry. Best show in Vegas, though, for people listening. <laughs> carrot top. Absinthe. Absinthe is the best show in Vegas. If you're in Vegas, make time for that show. I don't care what you do. Clear your schedule. Go see Absinthe. But anyway, hopefully Jerry 120 cuts someone in half. Jason Kincaid wins the match. The theme. By the way, is- that is the longest anybody on any podcast will talk about Jerry 120 because we just got done for, I think, 35 minutes. Uh on a Jarek 120 topic, including, you know, a few asides, well, me, a few asides there. But for the most part, we were just talking about Jarek. So there there's go. more of him to come. But Jason Kincaid <laughs> and the theme in the commentary was he was saving his job again by winning this prelim. So that's sort of what we talked about before that's going on with him. And then Jarek got his heat back after the match, too. So um, Ringkampf defeats Catchpoint. Ringkampf, in this case, Timothy Thatcher and Walter. Catchpoint, in this case, uh, Dominic Garini and Tracy Williams. Rich, this was tremendous. I went four stars on this. I love this match. I loved uh, Garini uh, getting nose-to-nose with Thatcher before the match. I liked Garini and, and Williams uh, working over Thatcher and Walter taking the hot tag. I thought this – I thought Timothy Thatcher, his lane 
are tag team matches with Walter. He is so much better when he's in there with three other guys and he has a partner like Walter and he's not just dragging matches down to his boring level, which we'll talk about later. I enjoyed him here and I enjoyed everyone in this match. Everyone played their role well. I love Dominic Garini as like this undersized bulldog guy who's not afraid yeah, he's of like their undersized muscle guy like he's got that look like he looks like he looks like a bulldog he actually looks like a dog too it, it yeah. works quite well yeah he's got like he's got like stumpy features he's got like short arms or whatever yeah he's just like you know he's got he should just he should wear like the the choke collar like chain or whatever it would work it would work quite well for him well i'll, I'll have to send it over to the old stokely there but yeah i, I like it too he's kind of this did like, you like this match as much as i did uh maybe not to the extent that you did i don't know if i would go for but i, I enjoyed it a lot i think everybody played their role pretty well i don't know if i was quite over the the moon like you are but uh i did i did enjoy it and i thought yeah i thought everybody played the roles well and it was fun to kind of see the interactions between um uh, obviously walter and timothy thatcher have you know some pretty good chemistry together so that that was fun to see and obviously the catch point i think they they, they got a good little balance too where williams is kind of the the wrestler Greeny, as you said is more kind of the muscle or whatever and it kind of worked uh in, in nice conjunction with walter and and, and thatcher so no, i i really enjoyed it i don't think it was four stars i'd probably be about three and a half or so but uh yeah i, I really did enjoy it though more Walter talk to come. Next was a no DQ match. Uh, sort of a, I wouldn't call it a Heyman special, but the previous match kind of bled into this one with the end coming out. And then there was a big brawl between Catchpoint in the end. And then it, it, it worked itself down to Chris Dickinson and Paro in, uh, or Perot. Are you going to rip me for this too? What's his name? Is it Paro? I think it's Paro. I think it's Paro but, I'll uh... call him Paro. So Chris Dickinson. <laughs> it's, obviously, it's not obviously not Jarek. <laughs> like it's, I, 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 I listen. Harrow and Chris Dickinson, no DQ. Um, look, there wasn't much to this, but you know, there's this storyline going on between the two factions. Dickinson picks up the win. It was fine. I the one thing about the two evolved shows is nothing on these shows was bad. I, I'm not gonna come out here and rip any of these matches. I thought this was fine. And it and it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Uh no, yeah, it was just it was fine. I mean, that's I think the best way to to sum up that match. Paro reminds me of Braun. I mean, I know he's not quite as big, but he has the same like shape. Yeah, and, and he's big on that roster, though. I mean, like, yeah, if he was in yeah. like a main big roster, if he was in WWE, he wouldn't be as big. But in that roster, he does have that look. He's got like that barrel chest, the big yeah. beard, the you know, yeah, the same sort of features as well. Yeah, obviously, he's not you know that size and that gargantuan or whatever. But uh, they they got something there if they really want to build him up as like you know this unstoppable monster or whatever. If they if they ever do decide to go that way with him, but no, I think he's got a decent look. It's just a matter of kind of putting everything together for him. AR Fox defeats Matt Riddle. I thought this was the best match on the show. Um, uh, I guess you could argue for the Saber Allen match, or you could argue for the tag match we just talked about, but I thought this was excellent. One thing here, uh, Gabe always makes up with the people he has heat with. We've seen him bring Davey Richards back. We've seen him bring Loki back. I can go on and on. AR Fox is another one. If you remember, he infamously uh, was upset because he had to pay tolls on his way to Evolve shows. So he stopped working Evolve for a while and had a public dispute with Gable. He's back. And not only is he back, but he's sort of doing this this gimmick where he has this entourage and, and he's like, uh, it reminds me of the old, um, what was the old ring of honor gimmick in the early days with special um, K. Are you thinking of special K? Yes. It reminds yeah, me yeah. Of, like special K where there's just all these lackeys flying they're around. Dancing, and, they're all just being morons and dancing around and taking up space in the ring. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I think it suits AR Fox. Yeah. Cause you know, old school dragon gate USA. AR Fox was just another flippy guy on the roster. And now he's kind of got some character. It, you know, it's not always the worst thing for guys to drift away from Gabe and then drift back a little while later after they've sort of rounded out 
um, what they are as a performer, uh, you know, aside from just the bell to bell. And he's a guy that's improved a lot. If people haven't watched Air Fox in a while and you kind of your last, you know, snapshot of Air Fox was, you know, DGUSA 2011 or whatever. He's a completely different worker these days. Like he still does. He still has at least two moments in every match where you think he's going to die and he you know, appears to want yeah. to die. But uh, <laughs> uh, otherwise, he's gotten a lot better. I mean, there's a lot more refinement to what he does. There still is the daredevilness. There still is the high flying, but it's not nearly like you said. He doesn't come across as just a flippy guy. Now he has sort of a, a personality in the ring a little bit more. And I, I've always been a fan. I was even a fan of the flippy guy, Air Fox. But I get it now that, that it's a little bit more refined and, and a little bit better, too. And he's capable of having matches like he did with Riddle, which were really good. And he's got some decent ground games, some decent offense. He still sells very well. So, yeah, the Air Fox is, is great. If you haven't watched him in a while and, and, and you're kind of stuck in what the old school Air Fox was, you're really missing out on a guy that that is refined and is very good now as he's gotten a little bit older. And big win here, and it looks like he's getting a push. So, and, and here's the other thing you can tell that the relationship is between him and Sapolsky's fixed because on the, um, I don't know if it was evolve 99 or style battle. I can't remember, uh, the WWA four guys, his students were given a four-way match too. Yeah. Right. As a showcase. So, uh, there's a lot, you know, beneath the surface there with him, you know, getting back into, uh, WWN's good graces here. Austin theory successfully defended the FIP world. Why do they call it a world title? World heavyweight title. (laughs) Over Fred Yehi. Um we'll find out the last again, time it was defended anywhere but Florida <laughs> or New York. Yeah. Florida, like for a proper FIP or yeah, I'm not going to check the last time that it's been anywhere. But well, we just done Evolve shows, you know, right. outside of Florida. But, um, but you know, again, like most everything on this show, probably somewhere in the three and a quarter, three and a half range. Good match. The thing with Austin Theory, I was kind of iffy on him, you know, as a heel. But, you know, this whole thing with, um, you know, the the hot goth girl with the paired up with like the clean cut high school quarterback it works for me you know I I I think it works so um they work as a pairing and he defeats Yehi here match was fine Fred Yehi is kind of a guy who's kind of lost in the booking right now um you know it, it it's kind of like he's a holdover from one of the few holdovers from that previous uh. Uh, incarnation of evolve you know before they got raided by wwe and and lost a a large chunk of their roster you know the the timothy thatcher long championship run era the grapple fuck era he's kind of a holdover and you kind of have to you know uh see where he goes from there but uh decent enough match you have any thoughts on it uh yeah i real quickly the last time the fip was uh defended it was in a dtu show rich swan defended against uh septimo dragon i know you're a big dtu guy who's septimo dragon have no idea. Okay, well, he uh, is 2015. That the last time it was on a DTU show. So there you go. It was. Uh, so that was I, last I, time it was international. You mean? Yes. So I mean that's not bad. I mean I, I'm confident as the world. Then you know. Okay. I wonder if uh, like you know there's. I wonder if Swan cleared that or if he just brought the belt and said fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that kind of shit. Fucking. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense in the context. That's of why. Those. That's that's how you end up with random. NWA title belts in Japan and Mexico and, and these random AWA belts in Japan. Cause it's like these titles go over on these tours and guys bring them with them and they're like, ah, sure. I'll defend. And then, you know, it just fucking ends up there forever, you know, cause uh, one of these international promotions decides, all right, well, we'll book the guy to lose and we'll just keep the fucking belt, you know? Look at this little so, run here. So he, uh, so Rich Swan defeats Roderick Strong in uh, <laughs> April 2015 to win the FIP title. Yeah. Uh, in June, he defends it against Mason Ryan. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> then he defends it against Septimo Dragon in DTU. And then he loses it to Caleb Conley in uh, July. What a yeah! I Mason Ryan had that Florida Indian yeah. mm-hmm. for a while that I forgot about. That's true. So I wonder what a Rich Swan Mason Ryan match. <laughs> yeah, like. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't. I think I'm all right. But yeah, that's perversely. I do want to see it. Uh, as far as the match, yeah, there wasn't a ton that I really. I mean, I, I think what you get more from theory now is kind of the character development. His in ring yes. still needs a little bit of work and a little bit of refinement or whatever. And that's why I think that Freddie Havoc was a good opponent for him because it was going to work kind of slow. It was just going to kind of be. But what you're really looking at uh, out of theory is 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 that presence, the ring presence, the character development. And you got that in this match. He was he was cocky and collected the entire time or whatever and that's exactly what you want he he won what do you, pretty, think, what do you, what do you think of theory and priscilla kelly together oh i love i love the, yeah, the i like the it the combo yeah i've always did i mean i was there when they first sort of teased it and right. it was a little weird at that time but it was kind of like all right yeah i could see it and they, they've really come into their own and and theory sort of embraced it as well so it's it's kind of cool one thing i am a little upset though he got a haircut i didn't notice yeah he used to have longer hair and i got a haircut man you can't you don't do that in wrestling man I think that um, it's got to be a hair versus hair, but it looks it's a much it's a a far improvement over his like because he had like the dumb like indie you know shoulder length hair or whatever. And it's did like, Austin was, Theory did? Yeah, yeah. Why am I blanking on that? Huh, it wasn't well. giant. He had a, he would always have it like very straight and straightened or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it wasn't. Well, uh, well, it wasn't now, hey, look, now he looks like the varsity quarterback. Exactly. No, that's why I like it a little bit better. He didn't look like that. he looked like indie wrestler guy, but now he definitely looks like just a prick varsity quarterback or whatever, which yeah. is good. And you know, who's dating like the girl who smokes in the bathroom. Right. And, and like, you know, she's hot. Like she is hot, but it's just like, yeah, it's like, oh, man. Like and and the quarterback's always going to want her. If you've ever watched any 90s, you know, uh, high school or rom com or whatever. Wow. I mean, he fucked every cheerleader already. Right. So. Exactly. And he's like, well, then this one, like. I tell you, if I put a little bit, you know, a little bit of work, she, mysterious, you know, right? It's like all those movies where it was like, well, no, that girl's obviously you know, she's like, Rachel Lee Cook is hot. Like, you don't have to say she's not hot because she wears glasses, but it's like, well, if I take the glasses off, look how hot she is. Like, oh, well, those kind of movies, yeah, yeah, like that's what but, I mean. Like, that's kind of what Priscilla is too. It's like, oh, she's rugged and like, you know, see, like, I don't know. I see her as the hot goth girl. I don't see her. You as, think that she's been trying to be the hot? Okay, no, yeah, I don't see her as the reclamation project. I don't see her as the nerd that he's paired up with in chemistry class. Who, like you said, takes the glasses off and whoa, you're hot. No, I don't see that. I think she's like the hot. She knows goth she's girl the hot goth girl that everyone knows is hot, but all the guys are intimidated by. You okay. know what I mean? All but, right, yeah. And now they're just like this unlikely pair because the high school quarterback never gets with the hot goth girl. But now the, he, he's he's gone through all the cheerleaders and he's bored with that. You know what the hot goth girl will do? The cheerleaders don't butt stuff. She's gonna do butt <laughs> stuff to him. And help him discover his affinity for butt stuff, you know, because a hot goth girl is going to be, you know, she's going to be kinky, you know, a hot goth girl. And she's going to do stuff that the cheerleader girls are going to think are gross, you know, which includes butt stuff, you know, so we'll have to ask Darby about that. But how's that for a great match breakdown for you? (laughs) Um, Jaka defeats Keith Lee. We'll slide into Darby's DMs and see if that is actually true. But uh, yeah, go on. Keith Lee loses a lot of matches for you know a guy who is the uh wwe remember last wrestlemania weekend the big complaint was he was losing all of his matches and mm-hmm. he loses here to jaka but this result ended up uh making some sense later because uh jaka two nights later um was gonna lose to matt riddle so i guess they wanted to uh keep jaka somewhat strong and plus keith lee was facing jaka's tag team partner at Evolve 99 the next night. So I guess they wanted to plant the seed that 
well, if Jocka could beat this man, then Keith Lee must be in trouble when he faces Keith Dickinson tomorrow night. So, oh, yeah, from that Dickinson. perspective, yeah, that, that's yeah. No, I, I I enjoyed that story. It was like you know you have the, the the grunt kind of beat him down, beat him down, and soften him up. But it was a little bit of a a surprise because I was like, all right, he's going to beat him up, beat him up, and then Keith Lee is just going to pull out the win. But it was like, oh shit, like Keith Lee lost. Yeah, it was non title match. Fuck, like he this is and that's good. I, I I don't mind that as far as it goes because I think then we'll talk about it. Ninety nine. I think he had a definitive win. 99 and i think that does help yes. a lot when, when you know you look vulnerable but then you prove at the end okay no no, no I'm, I'm i'm still the man and now if you want to you can do the jocka match yeah right exactly you know, for the title i don't know if they'll do that uh but you could if you wanted to and then you know the main event was saber jr darby allen which we talked about already so uh that was evolve 98 good show nothing on this show was bad uh two show two mat three matches i thought were outstanding the main event the uh the ar fox riddle match and the tag match that technically opened the show. Cause I think the four way was, they were calling that a prelim. Um, so uh, what do you think of the show overall? Yeah, I loved it. I thought, um, I think I liked 99 a little bit more. We'll talk about that in a sec, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, it was a great start to the weekend and I was excited to see what else they had. We'll get to 99, but first, since we're going chronological here, we're going to do a little style battle. This was uh, the eighth style battle, the eighth and final style battle. <laughs> what do you mean? no, <laughs> Season one, Joe. Yes. It's season one of Style Battle. Well, I hate to break this to people. <laughs> season but, uh, one, episode eight, season one. What are you talking about? I cannot wait for season two. Who's going to be? I, I was told. <laughs> I was told pretty directly. Season that, one. Uh, they wouldn't call it season one if it was all one and done. Come on. I listen. I hate to burst bubbles here, uh, especially Fred Yehai's bubble, frequent competitor in the Style Battle. Uh, one all seven before this one. Did you know that? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We have we, we confirmed that a few uh, weeks ago that Fred Yehai did indeed win every single Style Battle. Seven so. time winner. So, but uh, yeah, I heard pretty directly that they were going to burn <laughs> off the Style Battle concept on the very next Evolve weekend, and that's exactly what they did. They'll wrap up, I guess the whole Style Battle champion deal at Mania weekend, right? Isn't that what they were Correct. saying? Yeah. 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 Exactly. I think the chances you're going to see season two are slim. Oh, um, this was clearly a flow sports uh, flow slam uh, device to add uh, content. And uh, it was something that they really didn't want to do. Uh, so, but, but, you know, they had to finish it off. They weren't going to leave us hanging with just Fred Yehi's seven victories. We had to give it another tournament here. And this one was loaded with some big indie names. You know, you got Matt Riddle, you got Nick Gage, you got Walter, you got, um, um, Janella, Janella was in there. Joey yeah. Janella, you know, so, and it was making me think, I'm watching this thing and I'm thinking, you know, it's a shame that all four of these men can't face each other. And I know logistically it's impossible, but wouldn't it be great if one of these big time indies, and I'm not talking about some rinky dink indie no one cares about, but wouldn't it be great if one of these big time indies that books big time talent would be able to do a G1 style league with this caliber of person? And maybe have four to six man blocks and have it take place over the course of six months. Um, but the fact is, it's so hard to book guys out that far in advance and make sure you're getting everybody with the proper dates and everything else. So we're never going to see it. But I was just thinking to myself, it'd be great if this was like a league and Matt Riddle and Walter and Nick Gage and and Joey Janela were all in one block and we were guaranteed to see them all face each other. And then you had four other guys in the other block. It'd be a lot of fun. You know, um, but, you know, this the style battle thing is much easier to book it this way where you can just book eight random guys. In a lot of cases, they're very low level indie guys like we're going to talk about in a minute. And uh, really, the only thing of importance is the eight guys who win. 
So right, yeah, but it's it's a tough concept to do. Like a, a, a tournament that lasts that long is. Tough. We talked about with the mixed match challenge, where it's like, look, I don't know if like Sasha Banks isn't gonna you know tear her meniscus in in, in two yeah. weeks or whatever, and then it's like, oh fuck, like what do we do? Like whereas this is like the, the original concept was supposed to be you know six and eight months down the road. Like you can't guarantee that a guy's not going to get signed. You can't guarantee that a guy's not going to get hurt. You can't guarantee that a guy isn't going to be completely different or that that you know he 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 changes his gimmick or he changes some stuff or things. It's too much. I mean, it's too hard. To do i mean you could do it an entire weekend you can maybe do it over the course of a month or whatever but the, the concept of doing it for like a six and eight month run is just just nearly impossible i mean it, it was an it was you know the original idea with evolve was supposed to be the wins and losses and the hierarchy and that sort of stuff and even that was hard to pull off and, and try to make that work and try to make the rankings make sense and make the wins and losses matter every single time because you know some guys are in this weekend some guys aren't available that weekend some guys are hurt some, it's just too hard to do it and too hard to kind of think that long term which, which kind of sucks for something like this but yeah when, when you when you settle it on okay this is the tournament and these are the guys that are in or whatever you, you're kind of stuck to it and it's it's really hard to do that over over the course of six to eight months and it's not necessarily because of booking it's just because so many other factors that play into guys availability and and who's around and who's doing what and, and all that sort of stuff so yeah it was a ambitious concept but yeah it probably uh probably should go away and never come back no yeah it's yeah i can tell you right now that they weren't you know it's not coming back i mean they, they're just <laughs> season two know. they said it's the end of this uh, season they didn't say the end of style battle I'd be, sh- I'd be. <laughs> I, I'm joking. It's not coming back. It's, are you fucking kidding? Kate doesn't want um, to book this shit. No. Um. Now <laughs> just had a no contest. Yeah. Fuck it. We don't want to do a three way. Just have no contest. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. All right. Cool. Now, what I wanted to say, the, the, I, I can't find it in my notes now, but the commentary I thought was excellent on this show because I thought it's the two WWN guys. It wasn't Lenny Leonard who did the Evolve show, so I thought it was awesome all weekend as well. Uh, but it was the other two dudes who did this show, and they also did the prelims on the Evolve show. Yeah, I'm blanking on their names, too. I'll try to find them because, yeah, they're both, I've, I've met both of them in real life and talked to both of them. For, oh, like, bet, worst job out of you than me. I know. I've met, like, the the one, the main guy I've met, like, numerous times. He's at like, every Evolve show or every uh, every WWN show, and I've actually legitimately talked to him at the point, and now I forget his name. So now I'm gonna, Yeah, I thought so. they did an excellent job, and I thought their commentary really fit the content. I mean, every time a guy hit the ring, they would tell you where they trained. They would tell you what their style was. After all, it is style battle give you a little background on each guy and for some of these guys we needed background okay these weren't uh you know style battle will dig deep with uh you know case in point the opener matt riddle takes on a man named rayo who uh you know looks like an mcw product um i had no idea who this guy was i knew nothing about this man and uh after this first round match i still know nothing about him because it was about 30 seconds long uh apparently it was matt riddle's birthday uh, Rayo offered happy birthday to Matt Riddle and a, and a hearty handshake and then tried to to do the old Pearl Harbor job in the middle of the handshake, which I thought was crafty. <laughs> tried to kick him in the gut and take advantage. And Riddle came back quickly, uh, needed a face, and uh, Rayo was a quick elimination as Matt Riddle moves on. Now, you know when you're doing an eight-man elimination tournament, you know, some of the matches are going to go quickly. So, and, and this was a good spot to do that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Riddle, you could tell probably, I mean, he was going to obviously work a few matches on this night, work the night prior and was going to work 99. So yeah, it was perfect time for him to get in and out in 20 seconds and uh, just go back and chill for the, <laughs> a few hours. So next match from the woods, <laughs> KTB defeats Brody King. Are those the woods outside of the TLB's house or no? I listen. Maybe he's out there with Monty Brown and and Wild. After how Boar. much I saw him this week, I wish her uh, her Hillrod cousin would have shot him. <laughs> yeah, hopefully KTB crawls back into the woods and doesn't come back out. 
Okay, yeah, I've had enough of guy. KTB. Every time I'd look away, it was like KTB. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, like, go. He away. wrestled 19 times this weekend, <laughs> and if you've seen Kyle the Beast, because listen, KTB stands for Kyle the Beast, Rich. Mm. Okay, the man Next. is a beast, which is why he's from the woods. Is he the Beast incarnate though? No. Okay, that's that's he's, Brock Lesnar, the Beast incarnate. Brock no, Lesnar. he's a beast, but he has a reasonable first name. He's got Kyle. it. He's <laughs> Kyle. He's yeah, a beast, but he's, he's Kyle. Right, but he's Kyle. He's, but he's, he's still like, got a government. He's still got that government name because you know he's, he's got to you know that's right. apply he's for like, a, a driver's license. You can't just you know be the beast. You know they're not. Gonna he's like that. I have face paint and bad gear, and I am the beast. But my friends call me Kyle. It's nice, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, you know he's Kyle the beast. But when he you know when he orders something, they ask him what his name is. He, well, Kyle, because right, he says the beast, and they just look at him. Yeah, Kyle, yeah, when he when he goes yeah. to Starbucks and get his coffee. This man is a twelve-year pro, as pointed out in the commentary. Oh dear God, really? Um, I didn't hear that. <laughs> that's really now. I thought he was a 32-year pro because his gimmick is straight out of the 80s. So I thought maybe he debuted in IWCCW with Jumpin' Joe Savoldi and uh, and the Tasmaniac and you know TD Madison. And because why the hell at this point in time are you doing this cringe 80s gimmick, Kyle the Beast? I mean, what 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 is this, Kate? From the woods, you hail from the woods. This is what you're going with. This is what we're going with, okay? And, and, and when I found out through the great commentary that he's a Gino Caruso trainee, Lake Hiawatha, New Jersey, it all made sense to me. <laughs> because Gino, all of Gino's Caruso's guy, all of Gino Caruso's guys have these cringe gimmicks because Gino Caruso, a nice man, I've met him. Um, uh, I have friends who've trained with him. Uh, he trained he trained Kevin Matthews, which is probably he doesn't want to put on his resume, but he trained Kevin Matthews. Uh, you know, he, he's got that school in Lake Hiawatha, New Jersey. I saw many super low-level indie shows in that building. Uh, Fat Frank, before Jersey All-Pro, used to run the, the original incarnation of Jersey All-Pro in, in that uh, EC, uh, ECWA building in uh, – I'm sorry, ECPW building in Lake Hiawatha. But he, he, I, I, you know, Gino Crusoe is a nice man. He's done, he, you know, early ECW work. He was a WWE TV jobber for a while, a good, solid veteran hand, all those things. But he learned wrestling in the early A. He was friends with people like Jimmy Snuka and Kodiak Bear and Metal Maniac. And he still trains and teaches people like that and gives people these gimmicks. And this poor, look, maybe KTB. You know, but I can't. Maybe he's decent. I cannot look past this 1980s bullshit. I cannot. You can't tell me you hail from the woods. You can't have this horrible gear. You can't wear face paint and scream into the heavens when you're being announced on the same show where I'm watching Matt Riddle and Walter and all of these. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It stinks. It's cringe. Yeah, Kyle the Kyle the Beast and Nick Gage being in the same locker room at the same time. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, and he and and here's the thing: he wasn't the worst guy on this show. No, he was like, where did we bury someone half. on this he show? Was maybe top half of the guys. Yeah, it's because at least you know. To be fair, like even though I can't, be, he I guess his work was fine. No, he was fine. I enjoyed that pretty King KTV. Two chubby guys doing lucha moves. I, I enjoyed now, it. it was fine. Now yeah. the wrong guy won because this Brody King. I've never seen this guy. He's a West Coast guy trained by Rocky Romero, okay? And he looks like if you were Tommy End for Halloween. <laughs> Me personally or? 
anyone who's okay because I'm in a little bit better shape than Brody King, but not much better. And, and you know, t- to be fair, Tommy Eng- Tommy End is in a little bit better shape than Brody King. Tommy End is not exactly a physical specimen, but the difference is Tommy End has credibility. He presents himself as credible. Now I'm not ripping Brody King. I'm ripping. I'm going back to ripping people like Kyle the Beast. It's like if you're gonna have a gimmick like Kyle the Beast, you better be the fucking shit between those bells, or I cannot take you seriously. This Brody King impressed me. This guy's like, I, I don't know. He looked enormous on this show, but it, we talked about it with Paro. I don't know. He's probably at least 6364, though, right? This Brody King. I think he's so. A, yeah, I don't know the exact height, but yeah. Pretty, he's a big guy. Like, he probably weighed a good 265, somewhere in that range. And he's doing dives, and he's doing these, these lucha spots. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's pretty good. You know? He didn't get to do much in the four-way the first night, and and I was like, this guy should win. And then fucking the guy from the woods goes over. I, it annoyed me because to me, the wrong guy won. I think there, there could be something with this Brody King. He's a big dude. He looks intimidating. And he's got some agility for a big guy. Yeah, he does. You know? Yeah, no, he was, he, was, he was moving around pretty well. Yeah, but, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I feel like the wrong guy won this. But um, it really, the, the optics were poor, Rich, when these two guys were introduced. Yeah, to uh... say the least, the optics were not good. Brody King won me over. Kyle the Beast is never going to win me over until he gets a haircut, wipes the dopey face paint off of his face, gets some decent gear, and gets into the 21st century with his gimmick. I can't take it seriously. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think Brody King, I'm, I'm trying to, he trained with the Santino brothers, but not the one, it's not that Santino that you're thinking of. It's a California based guys. They, um, uh, they had mentioned Rocky Romero on the broadcast. So I don't know. That's why I went with Rocky Romero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now. I think it's the Santino brothers, but whatever it's, it's, it's everybody comes with a few guys, you know, it's hard to tell that one guy, yeah, yeah, you know, they, they, they grab stuff, but he's, he's only 30 Brody King. So he's got uh, some. No, some years ahead of him too. So. You have a height and weight for this man, that, or no? Uh, no, I do not. I can try to figure it out. He's well. He's got an Instagram. I don't think he's going to put his height and weight on there. So, uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't know his height or weight. So. Someone in the uh, Voices of Wrestling offices, I forget who it is, and I'd love to give him credit, but I can't. But he mentioned there's a lot of guys running around with big burly guys with beards, calling themselves Brody in some form or fashion. You know, whether it's Brody King or Josephus Brody, who we'll talk about later. But it's like, you know. You don't have to call you. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have you know, to be give Brody. yourself a yeah, moniker correct. over Bruce Brody if you if you vaguely resemble the man. But uh, okay, so we had Joey Janela against Brandon Watts, a good-looking youngster with this Brandon Watts. I believe he was a uh, New York Wrestling Connection guy, if my memory serves. Because um, again, I lost my notes for this show. Um, I think they said he was a you know a Tony Nese, uh, um Kurt Hawkins, um, Alex Reynolds guy from NYWC, unless I'm confusing him with someone. I'm no, almost sure he's, that's he's from the New York area. I don't recall if that's what they said he was, but yeah, looking I at some of the, did, the, yeah, the, the, yeah judging by it, looks like a lot of his work has been in in, in NYWC. So yeah, yeah. So there you that. go. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's and that, yeah, listen, and that that's an under that that school isn't talked about enough for those guys because they really do pump out a lot of guys who who mm-hmm. make progress in the business places uh but this was joe this was the joey janela show and he is actually 23 so you didn't do a gorilla monsoon this hot youngster and he's like 35 he is actually 20 he's a youngster yeah Yeah. he's a a youngster uh i enjoyed watts here for what he was allowed to do this was obviously a match just to get janela over uh interesting in that they allowed janela to do mic work before and after all of his matches which was smart because that's janela's forte you know you know also jumping off of roofs through tables but (laughs) predominantly he's going to get himself over and and look, I was a, 
I was telling you about Joey Janela for years. He finally came out to the Chicago area. It took a while for him to grow on you, but I think he has at this point. Um, he can be an acquired taste, um, but there's something there with Janela. He's different than almost everybody else out there, you know, and, and um, it, it, he's, he's just, he's, and I say this with love because I'm from there and I understand what it means, but he's Jersey trash and he's got a Jersey trash gimmick. And, um, you know, and, and he does it to perfection. I know only people from Jersey understand what I'm talking about, but they're all nodding their heads going, yep, yeah, this, this dude is Jersey trash personified. And he does a great job. And he got by Watts. And, uh, and then he said he was ready for either Nick Gage or Walter. You have any other thoughts about Janela versus Brandon Watts? No, I thought it was good, and, and yeah, you said Watts looked pretty solid, and and yeah, this was all yeah. about Joey Janela, and it was it was kept short too, which is a good idea. Janela got his you know promo in and out, and then then the match you know was was kind of definitive, where Joey Janela moves on and, and is obviously a higher class above Brandon Watts, but yeah, I thought it was good, and and it it started a nice little weekend storyline with uh, Joey Janela on this point too. So no, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Because then we had Nick Gage versus Walter, which was built up tremendously on Twitter by Gage. Uh, which he's always look all of his matches. He's going to build up tremendously. And I guess we should spend some time talking about Nick Gage since we hardly ever do because we are not, we never watch. I don't, at least do you watch game changer wrestling? I, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I am not a deathmatch guy. Um, I mean, I've seen Nick Gage matches before, but you know, obviously where he's, he's really, um, you know, I was going <laughs> to say where he's killing it, but God knows if he has killed someone. Uh, but uh, you know, his gimmick is that he murders people. Um, but yeah, you know, it has been in game changer and you really built this up with Walter and you really had a styles clash coming in. And I got to tell you, Rich, this is one of them matches where I kind of inched up on the edge of my couch when they got introduced. I'm like, all right, here we go. And Nick Gage versus Walter. This is really a clash of styles. You got two big stars here. This is going to be interesting, you know, and they got in there and, and, uh, they had a short brawl in the ring and then they had an out of control brawl outside of the ring was really where this shined, which it shouldn't be a surprise. Okay. If you're expecting, and I know you want to talk about this, if you're expecting Nick Gage to be some polished in-ring worker, I don't know why you're expecting that, number one. Right, right, And number right. two, you're not going to get that. But when they started brawling outside the ring, he really took it up a notch, and it really got intense. And then they did, I don't know whether it was a double DQ or a double countout or a no contest. Point it was just was, a no contest because it was like the ref couldn't get control of it and was like, fuck it, this is done. Right. <laughs> no contest. Which I wasn't expecting and I thought was a good finish, you know, um, because I'm like, okay, you know, we got the first round has to be, you got time is a concern here. I'm looking at the file and the show's only two hours long. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, they got both of those guys out of there. They get this wild pull apart brawl, but then intelligently they worked some evolved storylines into it where Keith Lee came out when, you know, the jabronis and the referees couldn't control this thing. Keith Lee comes out. He's got the uncomfortable, you know, uh, scenario with Walter going on. And then um, didn't AR Fox come out at that point too, or am I confusing that with something else? Um, not on the, I, I can't remember if that was this match. Or yeah, he did. I don't think he did. I do not think he did. Yeah. Keith Lee did though. And he got, yes, in the yeah, Keith Lee did for he sure. got, Nick Gage out of there, and then he had the uncomfortable moment with Walter as they continued to to build towards that match. Um, and yeah, so they did a no contest. Uh, look, Nick Gage is what he is. I think that when it comes to the deathmatch guys, if you put them in a ring and ask them to wrestle, they're going to expose themselves. Nick Gage is a guy who's going to expose himself in inside of a wrestling ring without the aid of plunder. Um, I, I don't think that's unfair. He's not a great wrestler. What he is, is a great personality. 
uh, he 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 has that vibe that we talked about on one of our Patreon shows, um, our our, our year end award show that we did. I think we talked about it a little bit. I think that was the show where he had he has really cultivated a vibe where you're not sure he's got that new jack thing going he's got that necro butcher thing going he's got that bruiser brody thing going where he feels real even though intellectually we know that he's not his his gimmick feels legit and he's a scary dude um but i you know I do think he loses a little bit of that when he's asked to stay between the ropes without the plunder. But- right. And that's, I, I think one thing that I was really, you know, cause I've, I've watched a, 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 some of him, but maybe not enough or maybe not as much as I, I would really like, or, you know, I've been hyped up a lot uh, this year and you'll see in our match of the year, you know, when it comes out that there's plenty of matches of Nick Gage in there. He's obviously had a great year for those that really enjoy what he does and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, regardless of what I think of him or whether I think, you know, between because, yeah, Bill the Bell, you watch this match and you go, OK, you know what? It, 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 you see this guy and maybe you haven't seen anything for him and you have no idea what what the hype is. And you see this, and you're like, ah, he's just a guy, he's just, you know, an OK wrestler. He's he's fine. Like, but then you see the brawl and you see how awesome he was at that. And then I think the part that was that that, that most got me was when he enters the ring and there's just a different vibe about it. There's just a different. Oh, seriousness. Yeah. Like you mentioned that brawler thing where it's just like, all right, here you go. Like you like you said, kind of the edge of your seat thing that you have to stand up and look because he comes out he's swearing he's you know spitting and and just like and that's and and the fans are attracted to that because it's different and i think that's one of the cool things about him one of the appeals that that i think he has if if he was you know in a world where there were a ton of guys like him then maybe he wouldn't stand out that much but in 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 the current landscape of indie wrestling he is so unique and so different and especially on like this show where you put him on evolve or whatever it's like oh my god like there's this guy there's everybody else and then there's this guy like everybody else is kind of doing their own little thing everyone's you know polished wrestlers and this sort of stuff well i guess you know maybe not kyle the beast but like on an evolve show everyone's got these polished things or whatever and then there's this fucking guy well i'll defend well you know what i'll defend kyle the beast i think of the eight men nick gage was the weakest performer bell to bell he he to me he was the worst wrestler in the field. Well, I didn't yeah, see I, enough. I, 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 I didn't see fair. enough of Rayo to be fair. Right, yeah, that's yeah, he, got a, he only got rolled up. But yeah, no, I think that's fair. But and I think you can. But there's a mystique that. about the mystique right. makes up for it, and the and he and 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 what he's his strengths make up for it, and his mystique makes up for he's it. He's not trying to have a good match. He's trying to no. have a brawl that the crowd reacts to and goes nuts for and and, and screams his name and swears a lot, and that's what he's going there, for. And he's doing you it. You nailed it. There was a different vibe in the room when he was coming to the ring. It was. You know, fans were buzzing when he was coming out for his match. I mean, they popped for Matt Riddle. They popped for Joey Janela. But there was a buzz and a palpable feel in the room when Nick Gage's music hit. And I could excuse that. Look, I don't want him to go in there and have a technical match with Tim Thatcher. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to be good at that. What Nick Gage needs to be good at is what we saw in the second half of this match and in the post-match. And he, he does deliver in that regard. I'm not a big deathmatch guy, but I can see the Nick Gage appeal. Right. And and he does have a mystique about him. Yeah, whether or not I, do, I love him or I'm I'm invested in it, people are. And that's, you know, hey, then he's doing it right. If if the majority of his fans and then and when you're going to those shows, he's not coming out to crickets. I mean, those people are going we're going nuts. No. And 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 yeah, like I said, you look at the match of the year and, and people see. It. I mean, it's he's obviously working for those people. So even if he's not my style or whatever. You can still, and I can still admit that, like, yeah, maybe it doesn't work for me, but it's obviously working for a lot of people, and it's it's pretty cool too. So, and it does work for I me. Mean, I'm saying, like, 
Yeah, and, and what I'm saying is like when it doesn't work for me, is like I'm not, you know, it doesn't work for me in the sense that I'm standing going, okay, here we go. I'm ready for a good match. And it's like, oh, that was all right or whatever. But it is working for me because when he came out, like you're saying, you got to the register seat, like, all right, here we go. Like, and you were, I, I watched every second of that match. Like, you can't turn away. You don't know what the hell's going to happen next. And that's, you know, he's doing what he is trying to do. It's not like everyone's out there trying to have five star matches. He's not Kenny Omega going out there and trying to pop a Dave no. Meltzer star rating. I mean, that's, and that's, that's, we kind of lose sight of that too sometimes where that's not what everyone's intention is in wrestling. And, and he's, he's owning what he's trying to do and, and doing it quite well. A lot of his stuff looked like shit here. I mean, there was one um, spot where they were outside the ring and, Walter was up against the guardrail and Gage gave him two consecutive like spinning lariats. And they, it looked like they couldn't break eggs, you know, and, and you would think a guy like that would really lay in. But, oh, you know, the spot that he did that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. the one that he got for me is I think Walter was in the corner. He was sitting down in the corner and and Gage came at him with like a like a running boot or a running knee or something like that. And it was like the softest running boot ever. And I was like, oh, dude, yeah. I really thought you were going to like kill him or whatever. So there's that weirdness where like, yeah, it's not as stiff as you were kind of hoping. And, and, and I don't know if that's just not like, again, you know. Well, again, this is the kind of stuff that gets hidden beneath plunder. And we even touched on this topic a little bit when we talked about Jericho Omega. You know, it's like you can hide a lot of deficiencies beneath plunder, which is why even in Japan, in places like Big Japan, sometimes the weaker trainees, they nudge them towards the death match instead of the strong. Because they're if the guys who aren't as good, you can hide a lot with the plunder. Same thing in America. You got some of these indie guys and, and they're just they, they they're they're not very good. You know, they 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 they, they you know, they they go they gravitate towards uh, deathmatch and plunder because you can hide a lot with that and you can make up for a lot with that and you could get a pop by putting yourself through light tubes and a table and 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 you know deathmatch fans will you know it, it's a different kind of fan so you can hide a lot with that and I think you know he was exposed to a degree you know with you know before this one turned into a brawl I thought it was well booked though I thought it was interesting that they did the no contest got them both out of there uh, did this uncontrollable brawl and then worked in the evolve stuff at the end. So I, I didn't have a problem with the way it was booked or anything like that. Oh, everything worked well. And it got, it got it obviously been, then, you know, Walter doesn't have to take a fall in the, in the style battle thing. And right. he was able to get both the guys out. So yeah. Just, yeah. So, I mean, you have all these guys there for the weekend. It was a way to book a bigger name in, in the style battle and draw some fans. But again, like you said, he didn't have to take a fall, you know? So uh, nice job there. So what that, Set up obviously was only one semifinal, so it was Matt Riddle against fucking Kyle the Beast again, who wrestled 19 times on this weekend. And look, Kyle the Beast again, the guy's fine. I just can't get past the gimmick. Um, you know, and Riddle wins that match. It was fine. I have no strong thoughts on it. Um, it was okay, um, but you know, the outcome was obviously never in doubt. And then that set up Riddle and Janela for the final, which which I was excited about. But first. Before that, we had some buffer matches, Rich. Yes, we did. We had Jimmy Lloyd. A very hyped Jimmy Lloyd. People say good things about Jimmy Lloyd. PCW guy, right? Is that where he does most of his work? Another Jersey guy. Um, you know, game changer, places like that. A lot of game changer talent on this show. It was, yeah. Um, and he took on a, a, a guy named Jack Gallo. Now, I don't have many thoughts about Mr. Gallo. He looked like a well-put-together youngster. Um, you know, <laughs> decent enough wrestler. I, I, I Listen, I'm not going to sit here and break down Jack Gallo, okay? I don't know, I don't know a ton about him. Um, but let's have a conversation about Jimmy Lloyd. 
Let's do it. Yes. Old Jimmy Lloyd. Jimmy Lloyd, who people, I mean, I alluded to earlier today on Twitter that I was going to talk about someone who is hyped in a lot of circles, and I just don't fucking get it. And it's Jimmy Lloyd. This guy is such a jabroni. He looks like shit. He wrestles like shit. He's like, he's basically a pile of shit. I don't understand the appeal of Jimmy Lloyd. <laughs> and, and I'm not, look, people like this. And I, what the fuck are they seeing that I am not seeing? He looks terrible. He wrestles terrible. He has no charisma. Uh, and, and, and he wins here. Like the other guy I thought looked better than he did. Like I would have put the other guy over Gallo. And Jimmy Lloyd, he had, he had a big WrestleMania weekend this year, too, uh, where he got put over in some matches. People are praising this Jimmy Lloyd. I wouldn't book Jimmy Lloyd to do jobs on my television if I was a wrestling booker or promoter. He is, is he looks so bad. No, he looks like I, a literal sack of shit. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm not a body guy, but, I, like, dude, come on. Like, you know what I mean? It's like that lazy... Uh, it's just, yeah, I, I'm not the guy. I don't think everybody has to look like gender. I don't think everyone has to abuse steroids and look or whatever. But like, look like you've ever worked out ever in your life. Like, like you've or, even attempted to kind of look if, out. Or if you don't, make use it that. part of your gimmick. Right? Then use use your girth, use your size. But if, and you, that but if you're just a guy that's out of shape with bad gear and bad hair, and you're five foot nothing, and you just wrestle, then what? What are you? To, why do I want to watch you? And you don't wrestle particularly well. Oh, that's I think probably the bigger part is that he yeah doesn't uh, doesn't work well. Yeah, that was uh, I haven't seen enough of him to make like a, a sweet judgment. But what I oh, saw in this, I was good. I've yeah, I've seen him, and he stinks. And 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 the thing about it is, okay, maybe we're you know maybe we're being too harsh on the guy. But the, my problem is not necessarily that Jimmy Lloyd stinks. Every night, look, they're going to try out local guys in these shows, and some of them aren't going to work. My problem is people think he's good. What is good about this man? What is one facet of what this guy does in a pro wrestling match that's good or appealing? What's good about him? Would you ever book this guy on a wrestling show? No, God, no. Dear God. I wouldn't book him. If I booked a local indie down the street at the VFW hall, I wouldn't book this guy. I'd be embarrassed to put him out there in front of paying customers. I, I don't get it. And he gets legitimate bookings. And he's a fair look. I'm not saying he's a indie superstar, but he's a named guy who people praise. What the fuck are they praising? I've seen this guy wrestle a half a dozen times now. And he's never impressed me. In fact, not only has he not impressed me, he's always left a bad impression on me. What does he do well? What? Someone explain to me the appeal of Jimmy Lloyd. What, what is his gimmick? Like, what is he supposed to be? Like, when Jimmy Lloyd comes in the ring, what am I supposed to be thinking? Oh, here comes an underdog. Here comes a guy who's super tough. Here comes a guy who's a great brawler. Here comes a guy who's a real technician in the ring. Here comes a guy who's the ultimate white meat baby face. Here comes a guy who's a scummy heel. We just spent... 10 minutes telling you what Nick Gage is all about and why he's compelling, even though he stinks. He's found a way to be compelling. What's compelling about Jimmy Lloyd? What am I supposed to be thinking or feeling when Jimmy Lloyd comes to the ring? Because I don't know. Here's a guy who's out of shape, with terrible hair, with an ugly singlet, who can't wrestle. Is that his gimmick? 
You know, it might be. I don't know. It could. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, maybe it's it, maybe it's super meta, and he's like, I look like shit, and I'm garbage. So here I am. Maybe his gimmick is 1989 <laughs> wrestling challenge jobber who loses to Coco Beware. I maybe and Jesse Ventura makes fun of him. Maybe that's his gimmick. I wouldn't even put him in that spot. I wouldn't put him on. Rich, we've talked about it before. Like it drives me nuts when Ring of Honor puts these shitty looking people on national television because I think it brings down the product. We've talked about What's it before. Kingpin or who was the one that was just yeah, so Kingpin terrible? Kingpin and, and uh, yeah. That, who was the, the one guy? There was some guy that was just like. The winner. Remember the winner, that manager they put on during the, uh, uh, what do they call it? What do they call their Young Lion Cup gimmick? What do they call it? Uh, the, uh, uh, Future of Honor, whatever Reach, the fuck it's called. Who doesn't prospect. matter? Oh, it's not, yeah, prospect. whatever. It's a, yeah. With, that guy that was like a. Coleman, who was been there for 10 years that guy in the top prospect tournament that was like a 20-year veteran and his manager was the, the winner remember i can't remember the guy's names but uh and then and, and kingpin and i'm like you cannot put this shit because you because people are gonna see that and they're gonna think you're low rent i would not book jimmy lloyd on my wrestling show because people are gonna think it's low rent you can't do it you know it's like i used to complain that they put beer city bruiser on tv and I still kind, but at least it's like self-aware, and you know, and, and like Beer City Bruiser knows what he is, and you know what Beer City Bruiser is, and they don't push him hard, and I can live with it. You know what I mean? He's like Silas Young's grungy pal. You know what I mean? And it's like there's a guy who's woefully out of shape, but it's his gimmick. He's a beer chugging everyman. I get it. What the fuck is Jimmy Lloyd? What is he? I, I think I discovered. I don't know if this is the guy you were looking for, but the pain train Preston Quinn was one of the. He was a guy yes, that looked like he was Preston like he looked Quinn. like he looked older than Arn Anderson. Like he he looked like Arn yes. Anderson's older brother. And he was in the top prospect tournament. Preston Quinn, another completely useless guy, yeah. a low level shindy guy, and ROH is putting him on their TV. Jimmy Lloyd is a low level shindy guy. That's what he is. He's a weekend warrior. He shouldn't be getting real pro wrestling bookings. I don't want to pay for Evolve and watch Jimmy Lloyd. How can you make people pay $9.99 and watch Jimmy Lloyd? It's insulting. And then he wins. I don't understand. I guess because all the Game Changer connections. All right, you put the Game Changer guys over. We're going to watch Kyle the Beast 19 times. And we got to watch <laughs> Jimmy Lloyd. I mean, come on. You know, it's like it's my only complaint on this otherwise fine weekend of wrestling as I had to sit through these game changer geeks. <laughs> Why am I watching Jimmy Lloyd? I, come on. To be fair, it's style battle. So, I mean, you know, Jimmy Lloyd is the kind of guy where if I see him booked on a show and he's in an important match, I might not buy a ticket. I, that's that's how bad he is. That's how, how little I want to see Jimmy Lloyd wrestle. You, Rich, you ever like see a lineup for an indie show and you're like, oh, this guy's on it? And oh, it makes yeah. you think no, twice about buying a ticket. Yeah, and time, I think yeah. I think promoters don't take that seriously enough. Because I'm gonna tell you down here in Texas, there's certain people I see on the poster, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna give you one. Masada. Masada wrestled twice in Texas last weekend. And I have to tell you, he wrestled once for Lions Pride Wrestling, the new my new the new promotion in my hometown. 
on Sunday afternoon, he wrestled Lions Pride, and he wrestled the opener because he had to drive to Austin to work in Spire later that night. He was a double shot. Okay? And I have to tell you, Masada is a guy who, when he gets booked in Texas, I think twice about buying a ticket simply because he's on the show, even though there's 20 other guys on the show because I think he's that bad. And it's like Jimmy Lloyd is one of those guys where if I saw him booked on a show, I might be like, I'm going to take a pass. I get that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, and I get that it's only one match, but if it's an important match, it's like, I don't, I don't want to see Jimmy Lloyd in the main event. I don't want to see Masada twice in one day, let alone once, you know, it's yeah. So Jimmy Lloyd, he can crawl into the woods with Kyle the Beast and never come back to. <laughs> Both of them can crawl into the woods and follow the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs into a fucking witch's oven and never fucking come back. That's what they can do. Just go in the woods and disappear. I Because I, I can't take it. Got anything else on this? I got nothing. I think you've uh, you've summed up the Jimmy Lloyd Jack Gallo match. You can let me uh, take all the heat again. All right, I oh, get absolutely. it. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I've never. I haven't. I've seen him once. I've seen him only on this. I've never. Seen impressed? Him otherwise, so ah, uh, fuck no, no. He looked like a sack of shit. So like a literal sack of shit. Like again, if you put into a bag and kept it for months, I, I, that's kind of what Jimmy Lloyd look like. So. But he can't go either. That's the important. No, thing. no. You can look like a sack of shit and then still wrestle. But yeah. You can't uh, and people. I, I think another thing too that promoters underrate is and and again, like I said, I'm not a body guy in that sense. But every time I've watched wrestling with casual fans, every time I bring a casual fan friend or even a even a non fan at all to a wrestling show, the first thing they always remark about is is how the guys look. They don't want they. There's this thing where like you look like me and you're out there on in this ring on this, and I'm not saying every again. I'm not saying everybody has to look rich, like rich, rich. If look I look like, like if I look like Jimmy Lloyd, I'd be a shut in. no they do not look like me okay let me tell you something and here's the thing like you don't have to look like a television you don't have to look like fucking chris adonis right 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 look we just talked about we just talked about nick gage and joey janela you know they work to their look they work to their gimmick they they're compelling in some way where how on is jimmy lloyd compelling in any way how What's compelling about Jimmy Lloyd? I'm dying for an answer here. Oh, God. Oh, you didn't move on. Let's move on. Yeah, you got the WWA 4 championship and four-way match. I did not see this, so you'll have to uh, take the reins oh, on this one. Okay, yeah, I skipped it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no time. I, I was kind of running low on time, and I was like, ah, I think I can get by on that, seeing this one. Okay, so these are four men that I've never seen. I don't think anyone's seen them unless you live in Georgia. Okay, it was Jason Vile. I'm sorry, Jackson Vile. Alanis, James Bandy, and Liam Gray were the men's names. These are AR Fox students. And Rich, they wrestle just like AR Fox. <laughs> Crazy fucking shit. This was, this was good. I mean, look, it wasn't good in the sense that it was like some classic pro wrestling match. It was AR Fox good. It was it was like when AR Fox is wrestling on a WrestleCon Super Show and doesn't give a fuck about his body or any sense of psychology. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So Where he's going to do you know a top rope shooting star press to the floor just because. Right. Know. That these four guys did some wild shit. There was a combo leg drop cutter spot, which I thought was creative. Yeah, sounds, by one of the sounds like AR Fox. Yeah. Yeah. There was a Tower of Doom brainbuster, which oh, may or may course, not have yeah. been a. May or may not have been a botch, but it was a Tower of Doom brainbuster. 
There was uh, copious no selling. Um, there was just guys doing wild shit. There was a title change. Apparently, uh, James Bandy was the champion coming into this thing. And Jackson Vile is your new champion. Um, as a showcase match, it was very entertaining. It didn't go too long. It didn't go too short. It was a bunch of wild shit. And it was a lot of fun. And I'll watch any one of these kids before I'll watch Jimmy Lloyd ever again. <laughs> I mean, there was something there, you know. Um, it, it, you know, so it was a lot of fun. But yeah, they gave two little buffer matches here before the Matt Riddle Joey Janela final. Um, what do you think of this? Matt Riddle wins Style Battle Eight, and uh, he will move on to WrestleMania weekend to face. I'm presuming Fred Ye- Yehai since Fred Yehai won the Fred other Yehai seven, seven times. Yeah, he'll, he'll have to do a seven match gauntlet with uh, Fred Yehai. Fred Yehai seven times. Okay. The Style Battle Champion. No, that was uh, fine. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't wonderful. I mean, again, like Janelle is a guy that's going to be more character development, and Riddle is a guy yeah. who it's it's still style battle, so he's not going to get bring his A game. But I thought they were fine. But yeah, I mean, it was it, it was okay. But overall, I thought it was a fun show. But there was nothing that like you have to go out of your way to watch or whatever. The Walter Nick Gage was cool for for you know the back you know the post match you know brawling or whatever. But otherwise, the rest of the show was just like good solid wrestling throughout, and then you know some guys that look like shit. But other than that, no, I mean, I thought this was a good match, but not like you know this isn't something I would say oh you know drop everything you're doing and, and go make sure you watch this right away. I love Janela's promo before the match where he was like, just like I told you, Nick Gage and Walter scared of the bad boy. Neither <laughs> right, one of them yeah, yeah. wanted to face me. That was fucking great. You know, I popped big for that because that's such a Joey Janela promo, you know? And it's like, yeah, so that, that was good. And then, you know, he got in there with Riddle and uh, there was some hot banter before the match where Janela was, uh, you know, talking about facing an MMA man. And then, uh, you know, they, they had themselves a, a, a decent three-and-a-quarter-star match to, to, to uh, finish off the style battle. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. Uh, solid stuff. Um, in hindsight, I'm surprised Kyle the Beast didn't go all the way to the finals here since they love that guy so much. Uh, but, yeah, so Matt Riddle wins the style battle, and we move on to Evolve 90. What the fuck is the 99, 99. 99. Okay, so Evolve 99. We've got... Okay, let me ask you this before we start breaking down matches. Are you kind of annoyed that we still have an Evolve title and a WWN title? And do you think that they should just combine these fucking things now? Yeah, or- I agree. Yeah, now that you don't have Flow Slam, I think for sure. And I think they probably will. I think they're they're, they're more than likely going to do it. Because it's just confusing at this point now. And it's just like, now there's really no purpose for it. And it just seems kind of silly at this point. So yeah, I, I, I do hope they do it. Especially when basically you're having six match shows and you have the FIP title there as well. Right, exactly. Yeah, the FIP can work as kind of that secondary title and then there'll be one title that everyone's going after. I know they probably don't want to do it right away because they've just established that title, but I think it's probably the good idea to just do that. Now, you do have all these WWN companies still with your FIPs and your your ACWs and, and your things like that. But why can't the Evolve title be the ultimate goal now? You know, I... Again, I understood when Flow Slam was in the mix. Sure. They had to oh, yeah, do whatever yeah. they could for content and you know, you're creating promotions and things like that. But you can make the Evolve title the ultimate goal. Take strip the world designation from the FIP title, right? And sort of make that make the Evolve title your NWA world title and your FIP and your ACWs, those are like your territory titles. And you know, those guys every now and then get a crack at the Evolve world champion. It's kind of redundant to have a WWN title. 
So, um, you know, I'm on the same wavelength there. Because if you remember at WrestleMania weekend, you know, they had all of their various champions in that match. Paro was in that match. Remember, he was the ACW champion. Yeah, right, 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 right. And and he was the first guy eliminated. And they had, and that's how they crowned, you know, the WWN champ or whatever. So I, I just think it's redundant now. But um, so they did a three-match uh, preliminary show before the main card started and rich you're never going to believe this but kyle the beast worked on (laughs) wheeler utah Uh, ktb took on wheeler utah uh wheeler utah sounds like a dragon gate wrestler yeah i know Uh, and i'm always disappointed when i see him come out and it's just like not that cool you know because oh you're familiar familiar with wheeler utah uh yeah yeah i've I've seen a few times this is my first time seeing he's popped up on some of all weekends and stuff and i was i'm like really excited because he the name sounds awesome and you're like oh this guy's gonna rule and it's just like a guy you know what i mean Pretty generic white boy. Yeah, like you think Wheeler, Utah, you're like, oh, here we go. It's going to be like some flippy, like young Japanese, like some weird guy that for some reason decided to come to America despite the fact. And it's just kind of the guy. Yeah, You, you, you think uh, it's a Dragon Gate guy in excursion. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. Or like some even, weird guy from some weird promo. You're like, oh, is this like a, it's like a heat up guy that for some reason is in America just floating around and it's 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 not. It's, he's got the stylized last name too in all caps. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, you can see the caps. You're like, oh, here we go. And it's just, it's not. And you think I he's still, like, you, you yeah. think he's like Shun Skywalker's tag partner. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, Wheeler just Utah. Guy. He's you know? just Wheeler Utah. And he's just a guy. Yeah, yeah he's just a guy. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, a, he's a guy, all right. And you're going to be surprised, but the man from the woods, KTB, picked up a big win over – I think KTB got the biggest push of the goddamn weekend here. It's just like, come on, all right, <laughs> I don't, KTB. I don't, think, I don't think that's true, but okay. At, at least it wasn't – listen, at least it wasn't Jimmy Lloyd – in the KTB spot. You know what I mean? We could, could have been worse. We could have got right. Jimmy Lloyd nine times. Yeah, they didn't bring Jimmy Lloyd back for the show. So you can't, you know, can't get too upset. That's true. You know, Kyle the Beast is wait. Let me be clear about something. <laughs> Kyle Beast. Can I be clear about something? Yes, go ahead. KTB from the woods is way better than Jimmy Lloyd. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. Like eons better. Like KTB to Jimmy Lloyd is like the same as Junakiyama to Leona. It's like almost to that extent. He's <laughs> way better than Jimmy Lloyd. Like it's not even close. So I guess from that perspective, we also had here Jarik 120 made a return. He he took on Snoop Strikes and beat him. I think they're going to do something with Jarik. Oh yeah, they've been building up for a while. Yeah, they've been building him yeah. up for a while. So yeah, they're, they're, what they do, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think they're just now kind of letting it play out a little bit, so he can kind of get himself get his footing a little bit. But yeah, they're they're doing something with him. I mean, he's been around for a while and been kind of a major part of kind of the undercard. So yeah, they're they're doing something with him. I, I don't know what, but yeah, it, it's going to happen soon. He should challenge Keith Lee and like wave a magic wand, and the belt should like disappear from. They Keith just never Lee's talk shoulders. about it ever again. <laughs> no, 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 it should disappear from Keith Lee's shoulder and appear on Jarik's waist. You know, he should do something like that. You think you can pull that trick? I don't because I don't think their production is <laughs> good enough to do that. But, uh, no, but yeah. Jarek is a legitimate magician. But you're right. Know? He is a legit magician. So, yeah, if there's anybody that could pull it off, it would be uh, uh, Jarek 120. So, yeah. Candy. And then the, the, Maybe Candy yeah. could be as uh, you know, Candy could be out. like put her hands on her on her cheeks and be like astounded, you know, because that's what yeah. she does. Or she could put her hand on her waist and the other hand out like she's like, yes, look, Jarek is the champion. You know, mm-hmm. I would like to see something. Like they need to do something with Jarek. And then the opener here we talked about earlier, Darby Allen putting himself back in the prelims, starting from the bottom. Uh, and he's taking on Brody King. You thought I was going to make a Drake joke, didn't you? You felt it coming, didn't you? But I didn't do it. <laughs> but he took on Brody King here, and they went to a time limit draw. So here's the interesting thing. You put Darby Allen back in the pre-show matches, and you think, all right, he's just going to beat some jobbers. For No. He couldn't even beat the man. He got beat so badly the night before. 
and he's in his he's in his mind is in such shambles, his body's in shambles. He couldn't defeat a preliminary wrestler. Is this a great story? Am I going overboard? Yeah, and- no, no, it was a great story. And what was cool too for people that haven't seen the match or, or end up watching it is he he's not really wrestling aggressively. He's kind of like taking a beating uh, and and trying to prove to himself. It, it's this weird thing, and the commentary kind of pumped it up a lot too. Is, is yeah. that he was the commentary like, was great all weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weekend, like he was he was welcoming the beating. Like he felt. Yeah that he let everybody down and needed to get his ass kicked to, to sort of realize where he's at and where he's going in his career or whatever. So yeah. there's times where he's like, he's, you know, he's not even doing much offense. And like they, even the commentary says that he got him down and there would be moves, but he would never go for a pinfall. He never once went for a pinfall. Like he didn't want to win. He just wanted to prove to himself that he could survive for 10 minutes. And then also sort of in a in kind of a masochist way, sort of get his ass kicked so he can realize and, and sort of start from square one. A lot of ways so it's really cool in that sense like yeah it wasn't he wasn't out there to win the match if that makes yeah. sense he was he, yeah. he only wanted to survive the match it was all he was looking to do yeah interesting stuff going on there with darby allen uh the the actual show kicked off at austin theory versus jason kincaid after the shenanigans uh that they pulled um you know the night before so they had a match and this too went to a no contest there were three matches on this weekend that didn't have a finish and i thought all of them were good, well-booked decisions as opposed to chicken shit, horse shit, avoiding a finish. These are good instances of not having a finish. Would you agree with that? Oh, no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that will – this feud must continue mm-hmm. with Austin Theory and Jason Kincaid. And I have no problem with that. And I think Jason Kincaid is really finding his footing too. I don't know if like the spiritual bullshit was really – a lot of people thought that was cringe. I didn't really mind it. But a lot of people didn't like that sort of spiritual gimmick he was doing – and he's kind of – he's got more of an edge now, you know, and we're sort of seeing him in a transition. He's a very talented guy, and I wouldn't write him off. And I think this feud is helping all three of the principals involved, Austin Theory, Priscilla Kelly, and Jason Kincaid. And I think Priscilla Kelly really helps Austin Theory. It, it's really what a manager should do is help the person they're managing, right? That was always the theory in wrestling. A wrestler who has some sort of deficiency – the manager helps with that deficiency, right? Right, and doesn't take away. And there's not, you know, she, right. she's she'll enhance it at times where, like, then you look at her. But at the end of the time, it's all about theory when it's all said and done. And that's exact. So she's doing it well. I mean, she doesn't take away from the act at all and doesn't make it about her at any point. Her timing on the interference spots is always very good. I think she does a really good job. So um, I enjoy this feud. I enjoy that act. Timothy Thatcher defeats Fred Yehi. Now look. I talked about Thatcher before and how great he was in the tag. And this is why I think he belongs in tags. Look, I didn't hate this match, but I can't tell you I enjoyed it either because this was another one. Timothy Thatcher, due to the nature of his gimmick, he eats his opponents alive and it's never compelling. And the crowd doesn't give a shit either. And I and think the that cra- was the most, and that that's what's the most telling here is that you, the, the prior night or whatever out of all ninety eight, the crowd's going nuts for his hot tags and his hot. T- yeah, hot. yeah. And then now it's this, and it's just like the old like we used to laugh about the Timothy Thatcher thing, where it's just like <clears throat> you know you hear like two people individually coughing, you hear a piece of popcorn hit the ground, like it's just it's not compelling in any way. Nobody cares, and and that's it, a, that's it's a funny. Issue. It's like the the place where he's over the least, he's been pushed the hardest. It, it's funny how that it's like I don't understand. But he just, and I know it's not like this in other places. You know, I watch him in WXW, the ring comp stuff. Again, I think he just works better with those with those other guys. On his own, 
he sucks the life out of these matches and he is what he is and that's his style and he's going to that's what he's going to do and it just never works and evolve these east coast crowds just don't like that shit you know these these new york new jersey philly crowd they're not into him and they're not into this so it was fine though look it's not one of these that look i've seen that i saw that that thatcher match against gulak a couple years ago that people were throwing trash into the ring was one of the worst main events for a gabe produced show that i've ever seen um this wasn't that it was fine but it's it wasn't anything that I'm ever going to think about or want right. It, it was just more of the juxtaposition of the night prior, where it was like yeah. this guy looks like he was on fire, and then he comes back and does a singles thing, and it's just yeah, just just there. Tornado tag. It wasn't scheduled as a tornado tag, but uh, the end against Catchpoint, working off of the angle from the night before, uh, Odinson and Paro against Dominic Garini and Tracy Williams. Uh, the ends manager, who I don't know if they've ever given him a name, uh, he's a bearded fella with some long hair. He just got on the house mic and said, we're having a tornado tag. And Catchpoint <laughs> said, okay. And then we had a tornado tag. You know, if I'm Catchpoint, okay, I got a major problem with Stokely Hathaway. He's their manager. He's supposed to be crossing the T's and dotting the I's and taking care of this shit. Why didn't Stokely put a stop to that? His men were prepared for a tornado tag. His men were prepared to get in the ring and wrestle these two men. And they ended up having a match. That was right in the wheelhouse of the end. The end wants to brawl you all over the building. Catchpoint wants to get you in the ring and tap you out. Oh, sometimes he's got, he's got that Mr. Fuji thing sometimes. Sometimes he's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, my guy could do it. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, you know, he gets a little ahead of himself sometimes. Bad but, job yeah. out of Stokely Hathaway know, here. You know, not everything's perfect. Well, yeah. This is a manager supposed to prevent. He should have took the mic and said, now hold on a second, unnamed end manager. No, we didn't agree. Our contract says this is a standard tag match. So get a man up there on the apron and a hold of the tag rope. And away we go. We're not facing you in a tornado tag. But that's not what happened. You got to give the edge here uh, to the end's unnamed manager. He did a better job. He, he outcoached Stokely. We saw a lot of outcoaching in the NFL playoffs this weekend. I think Stokely got outcoached here. Okay? <laughs> he, got, he, got, he got outcoached, and his team lost as the end continues to get pushed. Look, it was fine. I had no problem with this either. So I like I like kind of the brawling nature of it too. It was a good way to get it, and it made it a little shorter too, and it kind of broke up a little bit of the card as well. So no, I, I always like when this happens. So and it gave an excuse for catch point to lose because it wasn't their their style of match. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They weren't they weren't prepared for what was going to happen. So yeah. Matt Riddle defeats Jaka, so Jaka gets the big win over Keith Lee, and then he loses to Matt Riddle the next night. I don't know if you could have had Matt Riddle win style battle and then come right back and lose to Jaka. No, 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 no. Um, I did enjoy this match though. It was a heck of a match. Um, but it, it paled in comparison um to the next two matches, I think. Um, yeah, let's let's get to those next two because I think those are the ones that we definitely want to talk about. So Walter and Zack Saber Jr. I thought this was great. This is one of the best matches of the year to this yeah. point. Well, I mean <laughs> it's only um, been 17 days. But yeah, no, you're no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's one that you absolutely have to watch in this weekend. Yeah. Have to, have to, have to watch. Just an incredible match with with Walter. You know, I, I once described Akabono as a giant bear pawing at his opponents. Do you remember that? When yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, David Starr, right? Wasn't it? Um, oh, you're saying, okay, sorry. No, you're saying when, when Akibono, yeah. Akibono, yeah. I once described him as a giant bear pawing at his opponents mm-hmm. when he was triple crown champion. Um, that's the vibe I got from Walter here. He was like a giant bear just swatting Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack Sabre Jr. would like uh, attempt these strikes and these kicks and Walter would just swat him away or catch his leg, or just grab him by the throat and toss him. 
and it just had a, a, a just a, a nasty vibe to it, you know, and um, and it was non-title because Saber had defended the title the night before, and you know, again, this is evolving. You're gonna have. Um, you know, little touches like that where a guy may not defend the title on back-to-back nights because you don't know if he's going to be champion the next night and all these sorts of things. And Walter wins, obviously, to set him up for big things, WrestleMania weekend. But I went four and a half on this. I thought both guys, I've, look, these are two of the best wrestlers in the world. I think it is time to uh, to say that Walter is probably one of the 10 best wrestlers in the world. I'm comfortable saying that and putting him in that high of a class. Sure. Oh, I think he's he's reached that level, and I think it's just going to be exposure. And I think what's going to be cool is this WrestleMania weekend. I think is going to be a good time yeah. for people mm-hmm. to really get their eyes open to him because he's been that way for for a while. And people that are really deep into it and watching a lot of his stuff and watching WXW and and doing that know what this guy is. But it's just a matter of doing it more on on, on bigger stages. So I think Mania weekend is going to be incredible for him if he just goes out there and kills it, which he should because he's awesome, like you're saying. So that yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see sort of the hype level after Mania weekend for him because I think he's going to be the star of that weekend. I really do. And, and, and it's about time that he does. And, and again, like, I don't think we're giving enough credit to Zach Sabre as well. Walter's great. Zach Sabre continues to be awesome. And, and people that continue to say, Oh, his offenses look compelling or, Oh, he looks bullshit. Weak. You don't, you're not watching him. You're not, you're just not watching him. Cause he is, he's like you said, he's landed in as hard as he can, but Walter's a fucking bear. And he's just like, that's not going to work. And I saw, uh, I was live for, I forget, I forget the evolved number, but it was a Zach Sabre jr. Uh, Keith Lee match that was worked very similar to this. It was Zach Sabre jr. Was the little chicken shit that was just going to stiff the fuck out of him to try to knock him down and keith lee was just uh, the giant man that would never go down and never go down and never go down but i think it it, it shows how good zach zaber can be by you know working him over and breaking him down and realizing okay this isn't a guy i can do because people think he just does this like you know basic submission stuff with every single wrestler and it's like no when he works with different guys like you're watching just one zach saber jr match and assuming that that's what they all are this was nothing like that zach saber jr match this was him Go into the strikes, go into the chops, just trying to knock, like you said, chop the tree down or get the bear off his feet or whatever. And you know, Walter's just a, a big giant man that, that's not gonna go down. And Zach Saber Jr. was slapping the fuck out of him, chopping the fuck out of him, doing whatever he could. But at the end of the day, it was just Walter was just a bigger man on that night and won or whatever. So no, I think it was great. I went four and a, a, a quarter with it. Uh really enjoyed it a lot. And yeah, absolutely the must wet must watch match of this entire weekend. I think our reviewer went four and three quarters with it as well. I think uh, I, I forget uh Case Lowe did this one. I think he went four yeah. and three quarters. Yeah, I went uh, four and a half, and I I think was right there with anything this year, whether you're talking about, um, you know, um, um, Zeus versus Joe Doring. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Um, Okada versus Naito or, or Goto Suzuki right at that level. You know, I, 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 I firmly believe that. So a, a must watch match for sure. And I don't think Keith Lee, Chris Dickinson was quite as good, but I don't think it was that far off. I mean, I went four and a quarter on Lee Dickinson. And what I really loved about Lee Dickinson were the final moments where Chris Dickinson up and he was on the verge of putting this big man away and and he's doing these primal screams and then keith lee just pulls that big uh you know uh, whatever he calls this finish out of nowhere and the ring literally bounces you know and he's <laughs> yeah. bouncing on top of dickinson and just crushes his dreams one fell swoop i thought yep. that was such an awesome finish you know because dickinson doesn't come out of that looking any worse than he did coming in he gave it his all this guy's the wwn he's the top champion and he nearly put him away and he just got caught and there's nothing wrong with that yeah and i think what it, what it plays up too is that the, the an involved 98 you know where he loses it's that you you play up the story that sometimes this guy might not focus all the way but when he is focused there's nobody that can beat him 
And he's as good as it comes with Keith Lee. But, you know, sometimes, you know, against Jaka non-title, you know, not the main event or whatever. Yeah, maybe he let his guard down a little bit and lost or whatever, which is a cool story. It lets you know that when there are matches where he can lose, he's not this unbeatable monster, but he he's that much better when he's focused and ready and wants to win and knows that this match is important. He can lay out and beat you. Uh, you know, you make one, like you said, one wrong move, and he's got you because he's just that good or whatever. So I think that's cool. I like a, a you know a champion that's got a little bit of you know doesn't lose. You know, loses when it means something and loses a little bit, but but that he still has that aura about him where it's like, oh, dude, like when he wants to, this guy will just put you down and, and, and beat you. I like yeah, that. I, I played yeah, up pretty well with Keith Lee. Yeah, I think the Jaka match was just old school booking saying, hey. He's facing this guy's tag partner the next night, and we're showing that he's vulnerable. So there's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. That's all. And I mean, you know, that's just uh, that's just that's just old school uh, booking. So there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and and what this does now is now we've got Keith Lee, Zack Saber, Walter, and Matt Riddle handed into WrestleMania weekend. You could throw AR Fox in the mix, and there's a lot of creative things you can do with all those pairings. And those are all matches that have been built that I think we would all love to see. And then we'll see where the dust settles after WrestleMania weekend. Um, now, is that the way it's going to work out? Is Evolve 100 going to be in, in uh, New Orleans? Um, they let me, let me They're not sh- doing nothing in between, I don't think. I, I don't remember now. Let me, uh, let me check to make sure. Um, you know, but if they there. are... They this can, is an awful long time to wait, but... Um... Not as long as you think. I mean, end of March, right? Because oh no or no you're right it yeah would be no they're they're doing so one hundred yeah one hundred is February fourteenth in Queens okay so uh, they do have another uh, weekend so yeah they're they're running uh, mid February and then they'll wait until obviously and then yeah late March after that but yeah. so you could do a couple of those matches in February before you set up whatever and now look it looks to me like Walter Keith Lee is the big match they're setting up for Mania weekend it looks like that way to me mm-hmm. no I I would agree yeah. so. So you know from there I guess I don't know you want to do Saber Riddle WrestleMania I don't know what you want to do but. AR Fox in the mix, but those are the kind of big names you're going to see. Yeah, well, well AR Fox after got, what was it after 98? He challenged Keith Lee, so he's getting the title shot at 100. Is Keith Lee go. versus AR Fox? So he's getting that one. Um, and then obviously they won't say what's you know what's going on in the next one. You, AR Fox is not winning that title. Keith Lee is holding it. No, he's not. Weekend, yeah. So, but that's an interesting match. No, for sure. Yeah, and Air Fox is kind of that uh, that long, you know. And he even said it. You know, I'm Mister of all. You know, I've been here forever. You know, I've been yeah. I was a day one sort of guy or whatever. That's my title or whatever. And this is what was cool. There was a lot of guys who sort of said that. Hey, this is you know. You have Joey Janela who cut a promo and said, "I don't know why you guys don't use me more." Like you know, kind of fourth wall yeah. thing or whatever, yep. which was cool because it's not you know it, it's not done that much. Uh, you have Matt Riddle saying, you know, I'm Mr. WN or whatever at the end of you know his matches or whatever. And then Keith Lee is like, well, you know, you can say whatever you want, but I'm the champion. And then Aaron Fox also says, well, I've been here since day one. So there's a lot of people vying for that title of, of the man or whatever. So kind of cool in that way that they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, trying to get a little bit of, um, you know, everyone's sort of jockeying for position at the top or whatever. And like you said, that's what works, you know, and that's classic Ring of Honor would be, you know, a lot of these guys in the mix, like who is the guy, who is the man or whatever. And you would leave this weekend going, hey, there's a few guys that could really stake a claim to it. And that's 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 cool. That's when you can do that. You're, you're really you're firing on all cylinders. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, look, um, the, the funny thing is, you know, usually on an Evolve weekend, you know, you're like, oh my God, there were 19 four star matches. Look, I only had four matches that I would call, you know, excellent matches, four or five, but nothing was bad. And the booking was so good that I, I think this was an enormous uh, success of three successive shows, you know. And style battles kind of a diversion. That doesn't have to be awesome. 
I thought Style Battle was a well-booked show from start to finish and a perfect buffer between the other two because I did watch them all in order. I tried to watch them in order and I did just for continuity's sake. And um, yeah, I, you know, so, uh, you know, if you're on the fence about these, I would go watch them all, you know, and, and just skip Kyle the Beast, you know, all 19 times that he comes up and you're going to be doing all right, you know. I, I thought this was good stuff and I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up about what they got coming up in February now and then what they do WrestleMania weekend, which I will be in New Orleans. You know, this is those things where you want to be hot going into New Orleans because there's a lot of competition. So, and you're going head to head with other promotions and look, maybe a weekend like this. And if they have another good one in February, that earns the Joe Lanza ticket, right? Yes. It's a clear schedule. It's, it's all WN this week. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be you know, fun. And it's like, that might earn my ticket when it's like, then it becomes an easy decision. Maybe I'm like, forget you wrestling revolver. Evolve is hot right now. Well, not like I'd ever go to wrestling revolver. <laughs> I was but gonna say. It's like, <laughs> you know, but it's like you get the idea. You know, is, what I mean? is that one doing the pancake one again? I forgot who did the pancake uh, pile drivers pancakes last year. Yeah, I forgot who it was, but yeah, you got to do that. Or maybe it was revolver. One of them did that because uh, maybe it was revolver. No, it was revolver. I think yeah, a little ten a.m. pancake and pile drivers. But that's a good example. Like revolver, it's just going to do sort of dream match things and whatnot. You know, if I can get good matches with good storylines that I'm buying into, I'm obviously going to go to a show like that instead. You know, so. Um, you know, we'll see who's hot going into mini weekend because more than ever now it's, it's really very competitive and there's so many shows and it's, it's hard to pick and choose sometimes. So any little thing can make a difference, you know, even impact is there. And if you've noticed, they've sold a lot of their front row seats. They just can't sell any of the other ones. Mm -hmm. And that just speaks to impact with like these loyal, dedicated diehards <laughs> yeah, that they have. Are, yeah. Those people are day one buying every front row and then none of the casual fans are buying a thing. So, that's... Yeah, but they've they've sold like 70 total tickets, but they've sold all 40 of their front row tickets. You know what I mean? It's like this weird thing, but that's so impact. You know, and I wouldn't be shocked if that's like the final number or something similar, you know? Um, but yeah, I, it, there's a lot of competition. Uh, many weekend and i think evolve has a chance to go in hot if they deliver another good weekend in february and speaking of uh tickets and buy-in uh we do want to let you know that this episode of the voice wrestling podcast in addition to zip recruiter is also sponsored by our friends at SeatGeek. and buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event whether you're searching for a last minute deal planning a beautiful night out or just need to find the perfect gift SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. We've both used the SeatGeek app, and it's by far the easiest way to shop for tickets with just a few taps. We can instantly find seats. I, as mentioned before, bought tickets to a Bulls-Knicks game on SeatGeek not that long ago. Pretty excited to go to that, but uh, they make it simple and easy. They search multiple ticket sites, compare prices, and find amazing deals. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus... Every benefit, every purchase, rather, is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding deals on every type of ticket, from sports concerts to comedy and theater. Now, the kicker for our fans, voice wrestling listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's 20 bucks off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code VOW, promo code VOW, 20 bucks. Just cold hard, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, no matter what. So make sure you download the app. Promo code VOW, 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right. Um, 
So speaking of tickets or lack of tickets sold, we have a few topics. We got the uh, 205 Live uh, upcoming house shows. We want to talk about that. Or the Empty Arena match. Which way do you want to go? Or I guess Impact. We got we got lots of things running and no crowds. What are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, what, where, where we should go with this next uh, few topics here? Let's do this Empty Arena match because I had to, with the emergency last week, I had to check out at a show and I didn't get to talk about um, – the what the nwa was doing next with you you kind of handled that on your own and i guess i covered it on patreon but i guess i should quickly tell you know the the the, the larger audience um what exactly happened because when i told people there was an emergency our twitter blew up everyone hoping everything was okay everybody's fine i'm okay Brittany's okay her kids are okay what happened was i got a text message in the middle of the show um that i was frantically trying to 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 forward off to rich so he knew what was going on which is why even I thought my performance on the show was shit because my mind was elsewhere. But um, there were storms in Texas uh, that night and her power got knocked out. And as I described earlier that she kind of lives out in the middle of nowhere, you know, with two small kids all by herself. Obviously I had to go out there and, and, and um, spend the night with her because they were a little shaken up that they had no power um, in the middle of the night. And when you live out in the middle of nowhere like that, it takes forever for that kind of thing to get rectified. So they knew they were going to have not have power, you know, through the night. So, I had to go, but everybody's fine. It wasn't, nobody's hurt and everybody's okay. So, you know, thank everybody for, um, you know, their well wishes and everything, but everything's fine. But anyway, um, so I, we didn't get the, I didn't get the preview with you. So why don't we do that now and talk about that uh, between Tim Storm and Josephus. Um, from one perspective, it's, it's nice to see the NWA having a match that isn't a title match, right? They're kind of doing things that aren't strictly this match is for the NWA world title. No, this is sort of a grudge match. This was a, you know, um, Josephus, uh, they did the video where he, you know, with his spiritual advisor tried to break into Tim Storm's, you know, daughter's house, which, um, you know, uh, added some fuel to the fire. And to get Josephus into the ring, Tim Storm put up his NWA world title shot that he had coming to him against Nick Aldis and said that he wanted a piece of Josephus. And that was kind of the carrot that he dangled. And uh, they had an empty arena match in Orlando, Florida at the home of impact wrestling. So that was kind of the setup. Um, Rich, obviously I didn't do the show with you. Have you been down on this stuff? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I, what I explained on the show was not necessarily that I, I kind of qualified it because I think it's been well done, the build to this. And, and we'll talk about the match, too. I think all of it has been well done. It's just I don't know if it's for me. And I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it was one of those things where I can appreciate what they're trying to do. And I likened it a lot to, like, I thought they were doing a very good job of, like, telling a House of Hardcore style thing. You know, or, 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 or the House of Horrors, like a Blue Wyatt thing. Like, they did a very good job building that up. But it's not really what I want out of this. It's not really what I was watching the NWA for. I wasn't watching it to see mini movies with this character that really has no root in reality anymore. Like Josephus yeah. is really kind of lost to the. He's just this character. He's this over the top. I don't believe. Like I can't suspend my disbelief that that this wrestler went to Tim Storm's house. Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. 
get the family involved in it, I usually turn off because I'm like, yeah. that's not like the thing where you know Stone Cold's invading Brian Pillman's house or yeah. you know uh, Randy Orton's beating up Stephanie at her house. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I I turn off from that because it's just not rooted in reality. It's just not. I don't want to watch that. I like the idea that these guys were larger than life characters once the bell ring, but that when the bell was over, they were just kind of these guys. And and when Josephus when they first came in was he was this college professor that was kind of you know had a little screw loose. Like once once he turned into wrestler guy then that screw would be loose a little bit. But now he's like riding around in cars and, and talking. And, and like, so I lost a little bit of that where it was just like, it, I, I lost that, that, that realism factor that attracted me initially to the NWA understanding that what they were doing was good. And I was still interested in seeing the match, but I just didn't know if it was quite what I wanted out of it. If that makes sense. I think the biggest problem for me is, and for a lot of people is the match quality was getting worse and worse. And in this era, more than ever, you got to deliver the match quality the NWA can get away with average matches if they continue to pump out these tremendous videos with great production and build the matches well. They can get away with average, but you can't get away with below average. And the match quality was just slipping because Tim Storm is 50 years old. Nick Aldis is what he is. He's not good. And Josephus stinks. Josephus as a personality, I love. Josephus as a talker, I love. Josephus as a promo is incredible. You know what Josephus is? Josephus is a manager. That's what he is. He's not a wrestler. He's a manager. He'd be perfect managing Nick Aldis or some other heel. Um, But, you know, once he wrestles, that's a big problem. And what the NWA is lacking is a real bell-to-bell workhorse who can go. They don't even need a super worker. They need good, solid veteran hands and they can get by because the videos are great and the videos are compelling. And I get it that this Josephus stuff wasn't your cup of tea. I think a couple of the videos got a little corny for me too. And I really liked the human nature stuff that they did with Tim Storm. And look, we all know they got Tim Storm over tremendously. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's I thought this match, the, 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 I, I may be not as down on the build to this match as you were, um, even though it wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse either. I just think the matches themselves are the biggest weakness now. Um, and after the second really horrible match, I think that's where a lot of people kind of gave up. I think the challenge for the NWA is going to look, I'm confident they can get anybody over. They got Tim storm over. Nobody knew who the hell Josephus was and they managed to get him over. Imagine what they can do with, with, with like, no disrespect to any of these guys, but really talented people. Imagine what they can do. What could they do if they got a hold of, of a Joey Janela? What would they do if they got a hold of a Nick Gage of guys who can get themselves over? And then you add in the, the, the Lagana element. What could they do with guys like that? What could they right, do with, right, an right. Ethan, with an Ethan page? Well, Cause they had me know? interested like they, I, I was still in, even though I, I recognized that it was corny. And even though I was like, ah, I don't really like this shit or whatever. I was still like, I got to watch this match. Like at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't want to see Josephus versus Tim storm because I knew it wasn't going to be very good or whatever, but they added the element of the, uh, the, the, the arena. They made it appear that it was not going to be a, a straight wrestling match. It was going to be kind of a brawl or whatever. And, you know, at the end of the day, even though I thought it was corny and even though I thought it was kind of silly and I didn't like the direction they were going, Man, when that when the first second of that video was up, I watched it. You know, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's like that weird thing where, you know, in my brain, I'm telling myself, ah, I don't like this shit. I don't really like this. I don't like this. But deep down, like when it first came, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to watch it, of course. Like, you know, and, and and so I guess I, you know, in a way that I, I outwardly hated it. But deep down, I was like still 
kind of interested in it. And that that's a testament to how well they're they're producing a lot of this stuff as well. Yeah, right? and I, if they get a hold I can of not some... like it, but still anticipate it, which is weird. I don't know how to exactly because no, uh, the videos that. are well done and, right, and the right, stories right. are well done. And if they get you a hold of some indie chapter. stars, you always want to see that next chapter with it. It's not like you do. You know, I can I can admit that when one of the videos was done, I was just like, yeah, that was kind of stupid. I don't really want to watch that. But the next time one was uploaded, I was like, all right, cool. Let's. I'm they've they've earned that benefit of the doubt for me that now I'm going to watch that next one and I'm going to watch the next and the next and the next. I haven't yet fallen off yet. I'm going, I don't give a shit what the next step is. I care what the next step is. Even if I here, realize here. that this step kind of was silly or I didn't like it or whatever. But here's the problem. A lot of people aren't watching the videos and they're just checking in with the matches because the matches get hype. And then if the matches stink, you lose those people. Exactly. Right. They'll right, right. Have to be able to go bell to bell and they got to be able to get some people who can work. And, and I don't know what the solution is. After the initial Tim storm thing, you had all of these indie guys tweeting about wanting a piece of this thing because these wrestlers aren't stupid and they see what these videos can do for someone. They see what these videos can do for someone like Tim Storm. So of course you had your Joey Janela saying, I want a piece of this shit. You know what I mean? But all of that stopped. None of these indie guys are tweeting about the NWA anymore. So I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I've heard some things. I don't know how many of them are true or non true. But clearly, a lot of these indie stars saw it as a dead end and something that wasn't going to go anywhere because none of them are interested anymore. That's a problem. So then where do you go for talent? I think at some point, it's an absolute lock that we see Jay Bradley because he's obviously been tight with uh, Billy before. He's worked for Billy everywhere that Billy has gone. He's using a Billy song. as. Did you see the Noah show? I did, yeah, yeah. Using our opening theme, I like how people are like Vo- voices wrestling's theme. I'm like, oh, I, it's. It, I mean, I appreciate that they think of us immediately, yeah. but you know, don't tell Billy that you think it's voices wrestling's theme. Yeah, Say, it's a know. Smashing Pumpkins song. Yeah, so. let's go. That's just for liability purposes. Let's. <laughs> We're under the 13 seconds. Right, right, right. right that's right, fair so. use. You can. Yeah, what is it? 13 right. seconds. Is uh, 13, 15. Can... Yeah, but yeah, no, it's uh, just it's a Smashing Pumpkins very... song first. Yeah, yeah. Rich is very smart. He's got it under that 13 second mark, but. <laughs> It's not the Voices of Wrestling theme that Jay no. Bradley's walking out to in Noah. It's the, it's a Smashing Pumpkins song. Right, that we happen to also use on occasion. Yes. So, yeah. In other words, on every show. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I expect to see someone like Jay Bradley eventually involved. or you Marche, know, maybe, Rocket, you know, Marche Rockets always shows up in, in Billy Productions, too. Yeah, or maybe they'll just pull someone else out of woodwork like this Josephus guy. I, I don't know. But, man, the match has got to get better. But this this... This uh, this empty arena match, I had low expectations for because, number one, I hate empty arena matches. I think it's a dumb idea. I think it's a dumb concept, and I, I'm never interested in them. Um, but oddly, this worked because I thought Tim Storm was excellent in the match. He showed intensity. Um, he was talking shit to Josephus. He really – he was believable as a guy who was, you know – seeking revenge for his family and for himself. And he really laid a beating on Josephus. I thought Josephus was good enough in his role of taking that beating. And I I love that added touch of him begging for mercy. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, saying, you know, and and Tim Storm constantly saying, well, you did this and you did. And and that's the thing is, as I was watching it, I was like, ah, this is kind of corny. This is kind of silly. But as it went on, again, like the videos, more and more as it went on, I started buying in. And I loved the final few minutes of this match. Like while the brawl was going on, it was getting a little long in the tooth. I was like, all right, let's go. And, you know, Tim Storm keeps saying, oh, well, don't talk to my daughter ever again. Or how dare you? And all, and I was just like, okay, it's kind of corny and, and silly. But they won me over as it kept going on. See, I liked it from start to finish. I thought it all worked. Um, so I'm a little different than you on that. And I thought 
what was great about it was it looked like I was halfway through. I'm like, wow, this is great. Tim Storm's just going to squash this dude. And that's going to be the end of Josephus. And we're going to get Storm all this again. And we'll see what we do from there. But like you said, the final few minutes, you know, Josephus uses his nefarious means to gain the upper hand. And then the finish itself was fucking incredible. Storm is up on the top turnbuckle. Josephus hits him in the face with the chair. Storm takes a bump, uh, you know, takes a bump on a ladder, which was positioned between the ring and the guardrail. And then he falls off of that and takes a second bump on another ladder on the floor. It couldn't have worked out any better. Josephus gets down there on the mat and he pins him and he wins the match. Now I don't have no idea what a Josephus Nick Aldis match is going to look like. <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, might skip out on that one, but, uh, Nick Aldis is manager Austin Idol. I don't know how to fuck. The NWA roster is Tim Storm, <laughs> Nick Aldis, Josephus Brody, and Austin Idol. And 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 here's the thing: as look, they've lost some, but as much as that sound, like we're watching this, right? That's what I mean. What I mean? Well, that's why I mentioned with Evolve. If there's ever a good story, you will watch any roster. You will watch whatever. Yeah. Like, and, and this is a testament to it. Like, w- in any other universe, would you and I talk for any length of time about Austin Idol and Josephus? Man. Like, there's no, and Nick Aldis. Like, I don't, I didn't care to talk about Nick Aldis for the past six years we've been doing this podcast. And I've talked about it more than ever, you know? So, yeah, it's a testament to that. Now, I would never watch Jimmy Lloyd. I don't care what you do with Jimmy <laughs> Lloyd. I'm not watching Jimmy Lloyd. Like, you can do, there is not a story you can come up with for Jimmy Lloyd and KTB from the woods that's going to get me into that. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, Josephus wins. The other thing I wanted to mention now, I thought it was a good match. I thought this was bell to bell the best match they've done yet. And I had low expectations coming in because the best match previous, it wasn't really a high bar because the best match previous was the first Tim Storm Nick Aldis match, which I thought was just average. It was a two and a half star match. This, I thought, was like a three, three and a quarter star match. I liked it. The fi- and the finish really put it over the top. What did you think of the match itself? Yeah, and I think, like I, like I said, I didn't really love the beginning of it because I also wasn't invested in the story all that much. I was invested yeah. in seeing what the next step was going to be, but kind of ready for it all to be over with this one. But the finish, man, hooked me in because yeah. I love that, that Tim Storm didn't kick out and that it made... We always talk about this, where where if if guys are just always going through tables and always going through things and always kicking out and, and and we know this like, but there's certain promotions where that works. There's a certain promotion where a Kenny Omega works. There's a certain you know company and a certain type of match where a Kenny Omega Okada match works. So they just you know bomb finishers and kick out and all that. Yeah. But bomb this was perfect. Bomb after bomb. Yeah. yeah, where this was perfect, where it was just like fuck, that was a terrible fall, and Tim Storm's not getting up from that. Yeah, because you know, he's and, fifty and he has right, a cracked rib. Right, right. So it it, it it sold that sense of danger. Like, yeah, he worked his yeah. ass off. He worked his ass off. Worked his ass off, and and was brutal and brutal and brutal. But like that one spot, man, it really kind of fucks him up because he's an old dude and and he's not in the best shape of his life. And you know what I mean? Like, so there's all that stuff where it was cool. Where it was just that one spot that you needed, which looked great. I mean, it looked like it legitimately hurt him. I'm oh, sure God, it probably it did. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's feeling it the next day. But he didn't kick out, and it was just like just enough. Because then if he kicks out, then it's like, all right, what do you do next? Like, and it was it was just like this guy had it. He he had it. He had it. But what I thought was cool, too, is is it proved that throughout the match that Tim Storm was out of his element, that he Josephus sucked him in to this empty arena. And this is when it was all said done. I was like, man, I yeah. kind of like the story now when it's all said and done is because Josephus sucked him in. He, he, you know, he fucked with his brain and sucked him into this match that wasn't Tim Storm's type. Tim Storm wants to be an in-ring guy. Tim Storm wants to be a classic work, you know, a body part, finish you off in the middle of the ring. But Josephus sucked him into this. And Tim Storm thought he had it and was cocky and throwing him down the steps and knocking him and doing all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, Josephus is better at that style. And Tim Storm got caught yeah. and was just like, fuck. 
You know, what am I doing here? Why am I in this? Why am I doing? Why am I? Why am I fucking around with ladders? This isn't me. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that was cool. It was kind of humbling. It was just like, no, no, no. This, you know, I'm I'm not supposed to be doing this. This isn't what I am. This isn't what Tim Storm is. So at the end of the day, the story kind of worked when it was all said and done. So I thought that was effective because it got somebody me who who did not like the story, thought it was kind of corny, wasn't invested. And when the match was all said and done, it kind of felt like it rooted back in that reality where it was Tim Storm. The second he got pinned that school teacher came back and it's just like, he kind of looks and it's like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? No, this isn't me. This is what I'm not, what I'm supposed to be. This isn't the 10 pounds of gold, you know, like, and, and that was kind of cool where, where, you know, all this sort of sideshow shit with so- uh, Josephus at the end of the day, when it, once he got pinned, it all came back to the Tim storm, just being the real guy and just yeah. kind of realizing like, fuck, what did I do? Why am I doing this? This is stupid. Yeah, and it's cool. I enjoyed that. So, so it it did work. Yeah, I mean, it, it it like technically it's not a great match. It's not, but like the story was good, and I think it wrapped up everything pretty well. But uh, well, yeah, I think it was a great example of what we talked about earlier of plunder hiding the deficiencies of the performers. Right. Because this was the best possible match these two guys are going to have. We all saw the the shitty match that they had previously. Um, yo, this was miles better than that. And I thought it was better than the Storm Aldis uh, match with the, with the with the wacky finish, which I thought was the best NWA match to date. Um, but I thought the real star of the match was Jeremy Borash. He was incredible. And I like to bash commentary here a lot of the time. And I thought the Evolve, both Evolve teams were great this weekend. But Jeremy Borash was incredible. This was a guy who, if you've never seen a single NWA video, you didn't, or if you didn't see the build to the match, or you were just dropping in uh, to watch this match from another planet, or you just woke up from a coma and you knew nothing of what was going on with the NWA or these two men, Jeremy Borash had you all caught up like before the match started. He was so good in laying out what the stakes were, what the story was, what the motivations of Tim Storm were, what the motivations of Josephus were, um, you know, how Tim Storm lost the title to Nick Aldis because of the crack ribbed caused by Josephus, how uh, the cracked, you know, and letting us know that he had that cracked rib, which set the stage for, for, the, for the finish, uh, for all the shenanigans that Josephus was pulling with Tim Storm's family. Uh, Borash was so good. And he was great in calling the action as well. Um, Sam Shaw making his debut as a color commentator. Not <laughs> Sam so Shaw was good. there. Sam Shaw was there. So he that's was there. Uh, he was a guy. He showed up. He showed up presumably on time. So good for him. But <laughs> and and I like how Sam Shaw. The last that we've seen of Sam Shaw was he was a serial <laughs> killer, right? With his garrote wire. Remember that? Where he yeah. was. <laughs> And Boris just is like, with Sam Shaw. Hey, Sam Shaw. Like, how's it going? Like, wait, are you still like abducting people and, you know, doing weird? No, none of that, though. It's like we forgot about all that. He's not a serial killer anymore. He's a Sam Shaw guy. Yeah. He's He's not stalking Christy Hemi anymore. And he's not a serial killer. Remember his great Twitter gimmick where if people would tweet to him, he would say, uh, tell me your location or, right. or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he'd be like, uh, I, and, and he would, he would threaten to come, you know, take your head off with a garrote wire. I mean, that was good stuff. I mean, he was committed to the gimmick and I may have been the world's biggest Sam Shaw fan during that time. I thought it was a great gimmick and I thought he, he sold it well on Twitter and then he kind of disappears and now he comes back and he's just, you know, Sam Shaw. Hi, my name is Sam Shaw. I <laughs> hang out with my friend Kyle, who is also a beast. And we just, you know, we talk about wrestling and uh, I'm here with Jeremy Borash, you know, and uh, he's just a good boy now. He's a good boy. But, uh, you know, he 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 needs some work. Um, but Borash was incredible. And, you know, I think he's uh, underrated in that regard. And this was really him at his best. 
So I really wanted to make mention of that as well. Yeah, and, and that's uh, why it was I so like frustrating. The nice, I like the nice touch in the beginning where he was like, uh, you know, on loan from Impact Wrestling. I'm Jeremy Borash, along with because uh, you know I was in the Impact Zone. Yeah, of course, yeah. But uh, no, the thing about Borash, and that's what made it so frustrating when he was doing like the stuff with Josh Matthews. Is like, dude, just let Borash be a guy. Like, just like, the guy is so good and, and and such a professional that when he was doing the like you know the Pope and and him are arguing, it's just like, come on, like you don't need this shit. Yeah, and that's why you know. Hopefully they've they've learned their lesson. I'm, I'm I'm sure you know this next group of. Well, it's clear he did his homework because there's no yeah. way oh, he could yeah, have yeah. done that good. Oh, of no, a and job. that's that's why I love Borash. Is he's a guy that always does. I mean, that you, you go back to the WCW days. He's a guy that's like one of those. Cl- and those are the commentators that you and I love, and a lot of people that listen to this show love. It's like, and and that's why Moro. If Moro could just like calm down a little bit on on some of the bullshit, but I love the nerdy. I love the guy that fucking I know everything. You know, I did my fucking yeah. research. I know everything. Mm-hmm. I want the nerd. I don't want the guy that, you, you know, we talk about the Rosenberg at the top, the willfully ignorant commentator. I don't want that guy. I yes. want the fucking expert. I want the guy that knows everything about everything. Yeah. Yep. I want the nerd. And, and, so I, love and, Mike and, I mean, I grew up with Mike Tanay as the WCW guy. I fucking loved yeah. when they would, you know, be the luchadors would come out and Bobby Hina go, I don't know who the fuck these guys are. And Shivani would, oh, these guys are, and Dusty. And you bring Tanay and Tanay's like, all right, well, here we go. I'm going to give you all the background, where they're from, their height, their weight, you know, who trained. They're like, I love that shit. I used to eat that shit up as a kid. Yeah, his gimmick was that he was an expert. Right. And then he'd fill you in. They knew that no one knew anything about Juventud Guerrera. You know, they needed him to fill in the gaps. It was great. You know, and and the the thing that was also so great about Borash's uh, commentary is that it gave the viewer watching the idea that this NWA stuff is so important that a guy from another company knows what's going on and has been following it. And knows the stories and knows what's going on with the NWA world title. And that I thought was key. He could have easily Shaw and Borash. Well, forget Shaw, but Borash easily (laughs) could have just parachuted in and did a mediocre job. You know what I mean? And just read some notes that were handed to him and, 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 you know, cause what does he care? But my God, he did a tremendous job. Very commendable out of Borash and I think it added a lot to the match when they first started the match and it was like there was spooky music playing I was like oh no there's going to be no commentary and it's going to be these two guys fighting in an empty building to spooky music and I'm going to hate this but that wasn't the case the spooky music stopped and Borash you know did the commentary and I thought it all came off very well so this was an encouraging step we hadn't had time really to talk NWA um you know, over the past month or month and a half or whatever. And we really probably would have buried it because I didn't like a lot of what they were doing. Um, So they kind of lucked out in the sense that when they return with something that I happen to enjoy it. And, uh, and, and like you, I'm looking forward to the next step, yeah. but the match quality has it's to gotta get better. Yeah. It's got to get better. It has to. They're just a working standard now. And we talk about that all the time. They're, they're, they're just, yeah. it's that standard. Standard these days, and yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta get. Yeah, look, they don't have to show up on match of the year list, but it's they, they have to, but the matches have to be average at worst. They have to be, or this isn't, or people are gonna lose interest because there's way too much good wrestling out there for people to watch, but that they're not gonna waste their time with bad wrestling, no matter how good your videos right. are. Uh, let's move on to WB land here. We got uh, Raw 25th coming up next uh, next Monday, or the, this coming Monday, I should say. It'll be the go-home show for the Royal Rumble. Uh, these are the legends, quote-unquote, that are announced right now to be on the show. Uh, for people that aren't aware, this is going to be a 
kind of a weird show. I mean, it's going to be one to watch because it's going to be pretty interesting to see. But I think uh, half the show is going to be at the Barclays Center and the other half is going to be at the Manhattan Center. I have no idea what's what. I don't know if all the legends are going to be at Manhattan or half are going to be at, at Barclays and the other half are going to be. I, I have no idea what the hell they're doing with the show. I don't know if they know exactly. But as far as we know, uh, here's going to be the legends of the Raw 25th. We got The Undertaker showing up. This one's kind of interesting. What do you think about Chris Jericho being announced as a, uh, a participant in Raw 25? I think that's awesome. I think wrestling needs more of this. Um, the best part I, is he's going to be like list of Jericho guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the, the, the new Japan character is, it's not going to be, it's going to be like list of Jericho guy or like, I think you you're know. right, but you never know. That'd be, I, I'm fascinated to see how it turns out. I would love for him to be in the rumble. Wouldn't that be great if he's in the oh, rumble? Yeah, for sure. Why not? And then, and then he goes back and wrestles Tetsuya Naito. I'm all you know? I'm all in favor of wrestlers controlling their own destiny, especially if it you know and, and showing and like and Jericho's the perfect guy to be like, hey, you want me, Vince? All right, cool. Like, but here I got to do this too. Like, if you yeah, want, me, I, I, you gotta I, let me he, do this. And it's like, all right, well, it's he's fine. like a he's like a the ultimate freelancer right now. You know, he's like a worldwide freelancer, and mm-hmm. it's 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 I think it's it's a lot of fun. It's so much fun that this guy is working for the two biggest promotions at the same time, and I really hope he's in the Rumble, and if he's doing it and here's the thing and you know we really should probably address this quickly if he's sticking around and doing anything in new japan beyond the naito match he's beating him you know that right like he cannot lose to naito right right yeah that's (laughs) that's gonna people are going to go ape shit yeah that's gonna cause some disarray in the uh... when chris jericho beats tetsuya naito because if there's any if there's a third match planned or if he tells his don't underestimate the fact that he's pals with Gato and Jado. And don't ask underestimate, underestimate the fact that he's having a shit ton of fun. Mm-hmm. You know? So if he could squeeze some more dates in there, as long as he's having fun and the checks are clearing, he's going to squeeze more dates in. And New Japan is going to continue to do business with him until it wears out, the novelty wears out, and they start losing money on it. So I would not be shocked. Look, you know, I came on here and told everybody, my gut said he was going to stay in the company beyond Omega. He's done that. My gut is also telling me now that there, he's going to stay with New Japan in some capacity beyond the Naito match. If that's the case, he has to win because he can't lose again. Because then what you're getting diminishing returns on the value of people beating him if he keeps losing. So I think he beats Naito and maybe this keeps Naito busy and out of the title picture if he does like a two or three match series with Jericho. Right. Do you think I'm off my rocker, or do you think I'm? Uh, man, I didn't think he was gonna. I didn't think he was gonna come back after one. I don't know. It it it's so hard to know with Jericho because it's like he controls his own destiny in a lot well, of ways. If he, and... if he loses, I think he's gone. If he um, loses, I think he's done. Because how can you? What's the point if he loses? Every, now it's like all right. Well, he's just yeah. What is he? What is he doing? He comes back. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that next motivation is. I mean, that's. He can't just come out and attack someone again because now it's like, well, you never beat anybody. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess he could, but yeah, they, they don't tell stories that way usually. So Yeah, so what I'm saying is I'm not saying he's definitely beating Naito. What I'm saying is if he beats Naito, he's sticking around. If he's sticking around, he has to beat Naito is what I'm saying. So, you know, but yeah, I think it's great. I hope he, I hope he does this Raw thing. I hope he shows up at the Rumble. I hope he beats Naito. I hope he does another New Japan match down the line, like loses to Naito at Dominion or something. Um, because I think this is a shit ton of fun. I, I think wrestling needs more of this. Um, you know, I think wrestling needs more jumps. I think big jumps are exciting. Um, you know, it was obviously exciting when Jericho jumped to New Japan to begin with. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, other guys, Degeneration X, 
Trish Stratus, not wrestling as a Hall of Famer, Trish Stratus, but uh, Tori Wilson, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler, who are going to be doing commentary. I don't know from, I think from the Manhattan Center, so you can safely mute anytime the Manhattan Center uh, shows up on your screen. Jacqueline, the Dudley Boys, which by the way, the Dudley Boys and DX are definitely beating up the Revival after that promo they cut this week. And which people is, are like, yeah. Yeah, because people are like, oh, the Revival, that's awesome promo. Like, you realize it's just so that the Dudley Boys can put them through a table, right? Okay. Right. <laughs> just making sure that you, you're aware of that, that, that the, oh, we're real wrestlers and wrestling and uh, is just so the Dudley Boys can fuck them up and put it through a table and say, ah, well, the New Age Outlaws are here too. So it's basically just going to be them standing in the ring while Road Dog does a shake around on Road. They eat a fame master and then the Dudley's throw them through a table. So just, just yeah. so you're aware of that. But uh, Christian, Ric Flair, uh, Maria Canellis, Scott Hall, the Bella Twins, Eric Bischoff, Ross Superstar Eric Bischoff, uh, Tara Runnels, Ron Simmons, JBL, Kelly Kelly, the Godfather, the Brooklyn Brawler, which I mean, come on, you got to put the Brooklyn Brawler there, Michelle McCool, Brother Love, Boogeyman, Teddy Long, the Million Dollar Man, John Laurinaitis, and Sergeant Slaughter will all be there. So it's pretty extensive list, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe you could run through it again. Did you say Beaver Cleavage? <laughs> I did not. No, I didn't get uh, didn't get Beaver Cleavage in there. No, that's or, a shame. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, Chaz also, even though. It, well, isn't Beaver Cleavage's mom, who he was also fucking, isn't she dead? Uh, I think we looked that up once, and I don't remember if that's uh, true or not. I think not, she's but dead. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we found that out, which was unfortunate. But uh, that's about 25, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes uh, next week. Uh, real quickly, though, as we kind of finish up with uh, the show and WWE, uh, the Mixed Match Challenge was on yesterday. Um, 1.3 million views is what they have right now, as I said. and might be a little inflated, but uh, we got reports that uh, while it was going on, it peaked at 130, uh, 136,000 live. So 136K live viewers peaked at. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's great, but uh, it is what it is. What, what, what it is interesting, though, and this will have to Wait, be... What's what, the number, what, what was the number that peaked at? Uh, 130, uh, one hundred thirty, one thirty six, and that's from one of our staff members. Iron yeah, Mike's yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever officially like that's the number that they're saying. Well, no, because that's, that's the no, no. Listen, he is our live view guy. He watched, he watched the live views. It peaked at one thirty six. The company line is one fifty. That's not true. It was one thirty six. I think that's important to point out because Mike pays attention to that stuff. Yeah, and that is a poor number in my opinion. That only one hundred thirty six people. Um, check this thing out as it was going. Like you said, the 1.3 million number on Facebook, explain to people why that's bullshit. Yeah, because a lot of times when you're scrolling through Facebook, you're gonna it's gonna autoplay as you're scrolling through your feed. Like you go to facebook.com such WWE, it's gonna autoplay. When you're scrolling through your feed, it's gonna autoplay, and those all count as views. So even if you scroll by it and and your screen looks at it for 0.5 seconds or whatever, that counts as a view. So you know, it, it, I, I don't know that those should count because it, does that really matter to you know to the if bottom 136, line? If one hundred thirty-six thousand people watch the match live, do you really think ten times as many people checked it out later? Yeah, exactly. That's why. that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, one thing that's going to be interesting to watch, and, and there was an article that was floating around as well, um, is Facebook Watch has sort of looked at a lot of shows and and like they had a, the, the balls of Lavar, Alonzo, and, and, and Leangelo. They had like a um a show on Facebook watch or whatever. And there was a few other shows. The first episode of all of those did really good numbers. And every single one of them, every single one fell off a fucking cliff after that first season. Or what, first the ball season. family shit. Yeah, every, every, they've, they've done about, I think like six or seven Facebook watch shows um, that, that, that were pretty prominent. And every single one of them was great for the first episode and then fucking plummeted for the second. So, so then we have to, that's something to keep an eye on to see. Right, how right, right. Does. If, if this um, follows the same trend or if so this, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that, 
Facebook plays with the numbers week one? Or are you just I don't saying know. That I don't know what that is? Trend I, don't know. Of- I mean, they, they they would. I mean, people were like marketers were looking at the numbers trying to figure out, okay, what do we do with this thing? What happens with it? But yeah, it, they fell off a cliff. I don't know if that's Facebook fucking with the numbers or a lot of people checked out one or or the first episode popped up in everybody's feed and that, and they watched it that way and then they met the, made the second episodes you kind of had to dig for or, and, and get or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what was that. I, I I didn't follow it as much, so I didn't really follow what was going on with those. Maybe it's the difficulty of the of the outlet. I mean, we fucked around with it, and what was really odd that we discovered before we started recording was if you are not logged into Facebook, because I do not have – I just as I explained last week, I have a dummy Facebook account that I never use, so I'm never logged in. So I you know, went to the WWE Facebook page, and the page was as is for anybody who's logged in with the exception of the Mixed Match Challenge video across the top of the screen does not appear unless you're logged in. So if you're not signed into Facebook, if you don't have a login, if you're not don't have a Facebook page yourself, and if you're not logged in, and you just go to WWE's Facebook page, you cannot watch the mixed match challenge match. How many people do you think who do not have Facebook went to WWE's Facebook in the last 24 hours to watch this match, couldn't find it, and fuck it, threw their hands and gave up? I think the number is probably fairly significant. Because are you really going to go through the trouble? of creating a Facebook login and creating a Facebook page to watch an 18-minute match or a 10-minute match or whatever it was. I don't know that a lot of people are going to do that. I know that's the idea behind it and the reason that you're a promotional partner and all those sorts of things, but I thought that was a bit odd. That And then when I logged in and you know thought about my password and remembered it, and lo- then the match was available for me to watch. So I don't know. I thought that was a little odd and something to, to think about. Yeah, it's going to, I mean, there are going to be those people that, that, that are, I mean, it's going to be your older fan base in a lot of ways, or I, I don't know. I, it, it's hard to say. And I guess we'll have we to see how the about numbers. That. It's kind of that in between age. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's, older it, it, people it's have Facebook and younger people have Facebook. It's like the middle, like, like, uh, like regular adults seem to shy away from Facebook. right well a lot of us started on it when it first started and a lot of like half my friends have have deactivated over the years because it's like yeah. well we were on this when it first started and now we're just kind of bored of it because this is like our aunts like our- say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would and credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 